everybody, and welcome to the 200th episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein. And before we dive into this monumental episode, uh, I wanted to call out a couple of things on this 200th episode. So uh, for those of you that are maybe new to this podcast and just found it because you're a huge fan of Spider-Man, welcome. For those of you that have been <laughs> listening the entire time, thank you as well. Uh, I can't believe that we've gotten to 200 episodes. I started podcasting back in 2019 on kind of a whim, and I didn't know how long it was going to go or how long it was going to last. And, and here we are, uh, 200 episodes later. Uh, it all started with Hobbs and Shaw. I wanted to call that out. That was <laughs> the first podcast episode for comics and cinema was Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, we had episodes such as Marvel Mondays, where we did, where I talked about the new issues out on Marvel Unlimited, Film Friday, where I talked about the movies that I saw during the week, and I did monthly Midtown and comic book solicitations. So uh, you guys can check all those out in my early episodes, but a lot of that has moved into new things. So uh, things like the Infinity Saga and me, where I talked about all of the Marvel movies I had seen up until that would have been the end of 2019. Uh, top films of the decade, top uh, film and TV each year, top anime. Uh, and then also uh, episode 87 was where I changed the numbering on my podcast episodes to focus more on specific things for each episode. So as you would see when you're scrolling, a lot of the stuff at the in the beginning was very grab baggish. And uh, now I try to focus on one specific thing. But uh, for those of you that have been listening since the beginning, I hope this show has evolved and grown to provide value to you guys that you enjoy listening. Uh, throughout the year, I've had more guests on this show than ever. And not just my family, uh, although everyone that I've had on, I would consider to be a part of my family, including very special guests that we have on today uh, from anime to art house films, from single comic issues to sweeping sagas, for news and updates, and hopefully some comedy, TV shows, award shows, from Godzilla to The Mummy, Bruce Lee to Black Lives Matter, Comics and Cinema has been there to cover all of these things, and it has been such a passion project. I'm so happy for it. Uh, we've had 14 different guests on over the span of these episodes, uh, both regular and one shots, I would say. Uh, we also, hopefully, with the listens on this episode, uh, we will be over 13,000 plays over all of these uh, all of these episodes, which is really exciting. I think we're 30 plays away from 13,000, which uh, I had no idea. Again, I was not doing this to try and you know get any sort of notoriety. I just enjoy talking about the things that I love. And uh, while the U.S. carries most of my listens, it would appear that I, I have fans across the globe. Uh, from Ireland and Canada to Australia, Spain, the UK, Belgium, Brazil, France, India, the Netherlands, South Korea, and South Africa. Thank you guys so much for listening, even if it's just two of you out there uh, or if it's a giant group of you. Again, I uh, love every single one of you and I appreciate all of the time that you have put allowing me in your ear and hopefully in your hearts. So the last factoid that I want to share on this celebratory uh, episode is the shortest episode of comics and cinema for those trivia buffs out there is <laughs> episode 27. That was a review of Hustlers. Uh, that was 10 minutes and 12 seconds long. And then the longest episode is with our guest, Sarah. The Eternals, <laughs> episode 194, which was three hours, 49 minutes and 51 seconds. Sarah, welcome. 
thank you so much for being such a part of uh, the comics and cinema family. I am so honored to be part of this milestone episode. And our talks are always so fun and so therapeutic. And I am happy to talk No Way Home with you. It's going to be good. Yeah, I'm super excited. We'll see if this episode breaks that streak from the Eternals uh, as being <laughs> the longest episode. But again, thank you guys all so much for listening. Uh, feel free to go through all of the catalog if there's other episodes you're interested in. But today we are sticking with all things Spider-Man. So uh, both of us have two views under our belts. And uh, one more on the way with, I'm assuming, probably more after that because uh, this movie was incredible. Oh, yeah. So for those of you that uh, don't read the uh, little paragraph I put on this, we are going to be talking about spoilers on here. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers for this, pause this, come back. This is an instance where I don't recommend you listening to this if you haven't seen the movie yet because I went into this film knowing very, very little Obviously, we all have assumptions out there. There was a lot of speculation, and mm -hmm. uh, we will talk in a little bit about whether that speculation came true or not, but the things that did, the things that didn't, it was so nice to watch this movie with a fresh mind, not worrying about any leak that you saw or any weird photo. So uh, I would beg you guys, please pause this, come back, and uh, listen, and that is your warning. So, Sarah... Uh, initial yes. thoughts. What, what did you feel in this movie? Oh my God. Just, it is so face meltingly good. I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to our friend Anthony yesterday about when they announced this movie, it was like, I mean, I like Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. Uh, but it was not at the top of my list, but as as anticipation and hype grew for it, um, I was getting more and more excited about it. And now I think this is probably, my sister asked me where I ranked it. This is probably up there with First Avengers, Eternals, No Way Home. It's probably top three for me. Wow. It's I, so uh, I don't think you're wrong. I am, I am I've been struggling with this movie in the best way. There have been obviously, and I, I've watched, I've tried to limit my review watching just so that, you know, my thoughts are my own, but I, I did watch one or two just to kind of see if there was, you know, anything that I missed. And I was surprised that most of it was stuff that I caught, which I was like, mm -hmm. okay, this is cool. Cause you know, this movie moved very fast. Uh, it it's did. a very fast paced movie. And so I was shocked that I even retained the information that I did because I got home and wrote down as much as I could. I was like, okay, you know, I love this scene. And I, you know, and I had this bit. And then a little bit later, like a couple hours later, I was just remembering very faint things. Like it, it felt like a memory that was slowly slipping away in a really good way yeah. where I was like, I think if I want, you know, when I watch this again, I'm going to be able to go fresh again. And it really yeah. felt that way. So yes, yeah. that, you know, my short end review is this is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Uh, I, I haven't decided yet where it stacks up against Into the Spider-Verse, but in regards to live action movies, Ooh. it is easily my favorite yes. uh, of those. And uh, I know you mentioned that or mentioned me just a second ago, but yes, Spider-Man is my favorite character and has been since I was a little kid. And this movie made me fall in love with Spider-Man again, which was something that I was, awesome. it's not that I was expecting it, but I just, there was so much about this. And I think this is the first topic that I kind of wanted to talk about is, is the relationship between Marvel Studios and Sony. 
this is a big endeavor. So uh, jumping into some bits of it, directed by John Watts, just the same as the last two films, uh, written by Chris McKenna, and uh, I believe the other gentleman's name is Eric Summers, uh, who also yes. wrote both of the other ones. Uh, everyone in this movie, you've got, uh, you guys know him, Tom Holland, Zendaya, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Jacob Batalon, you got Marissa Tomei, uh, Happy Hogan, played by excuse me, uh, John Favreau, just a legendary lineup in this film, along with all of the already released uh, names for the Spider-Man villains, all of which, for those of you curious, again, you've seen the movie if you're listening, or if you're not, um, they all return too. So uh, mm -hmm. Reese Iphens comes back as the lizard. You've got Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman. And it just... For those of you that listened to our Spider-Man saga episode, there was a lot of hype going from that episode. We, you know, I rewatched all of the Spider-Man movies in preparation for this. And a lot too. of them I hadn't seen in a really long time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them held up a lot better than I thought and that I remembered. And I think part of that is because I'm not a Sony guy. And I, I you know, I've, I've been a Marvel head my entire life. And when, you know, I started learning about the business side of it and that, you know, they sold the rights to these movies. And this was something that I had shared with some people too around, uh, you know, so back in the day, for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, back in the 90s, Marvel was on the verge of bankruptcy. They yes, were in that yeah. uh, comic phase where there were too many comics on the stands and no one really wanted to read them. It was, you know, the age of really bulky, muscular characters and holographic covers and all of that. And they needed to kind of stay afloat. And so what they did at the time was they had been, uh, they'd been kind of licensing out their films to studios to make the movies for them. Because back then they didn't have their own movie studio. So they'd say, hey, Fox, like, you know, do you want some of these characters? And they would write up these licensing agreements with them to say, like, you can use the Fantastic Four or you can use X-Men. And in Sony's case, they had signed over Spider-Man for them to make their movies. And that is the birth of the MCU, in a sense, is Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire, because on that film, or actually technically the birth of the MCU was on X-Men, because that's where Kevin Feige first got his big break. But yeah. um, what was it? Laura, Schoon Laura Schuler Donner uh, had him as a production assistant. And as some way, shape or form, you know, Avi Arad over at Sony mm -hmm. really liked uh, Kevin Feige to the point where he was like, I want him to come work for me. And so he had brought him over and I think he consulted on Spider-Man at the time, but as time went on, he was telling him like, like, I want you to be, you know, the president of this, like, you know, your stuff, you know, comics, you know how to make a good movie and produce a good movie. And that's kind of where the birth of it all came. And then eventually uh, Kevin had gotten the idea of why, why can't we just make our own movies? And, and the problem with it was, and something that is a big complaint with a lot of the older movies is, you know, they're not very diverse. They're even in regards to strong female characters. A lot of it is based off of uh, toy sales. And again, that's because back then that was the business of it all was for Marvel. All they cared about were toy sales because that's yes. all they had the license to, right? Like they only, they couldn't make the money off the movie. Sony would make the money. They'd make the money off the Spider-Man toys. And so you'd see, uh, and I think we mentioned that in a prior episode, I don't remember, yeah. but we talked about that. There's a book, there's a really good book called 10 Years of the MCU that just came out. It's amazing, very deep dive. And they talked about things like Hela was going to be the villain in Thor the Dark World. And the Marvel Creative Committee uh, for in New York said no to that because women don't sell toys. And they did yeah. that time and time again. 
in all of these movies where Marvel was trying to be diverse and they weren't being allowed to be because the powers that be, these heads at these studios who only know how to make money wouldn't listen. And so they were like, you know what, we need to, and, and that's a whole separate story, but the, the Sony aspect of it is, you know, as a fan, again, Spider-Man being my favorite character, it was so frustrating when the first Spider-Man movie came out, that was life-changing. That movie mm-hmm. was, was great. It was revolutionary for its time. But then they just, you started seeing the Sony handprint on these films. And that yeah. handprint te- typically led to Avi Arad, where you'd say, you know, here's where the blame goes. The buck stops with Avi. My joke is always, he always wanted to get the Spider-Mobile into the movies so that they could sell toys for it. And it was like, <laughs> I thank God it didn't get in the movie because it would have been so bad. But so- uh And so, you know, time goes on and Spider-Man 3 comes out and people are like, this sucked. And, you know, why can't we just give the rights back to Marvel? But the rule was Sony had to make a Spider-Man movie every five years. Basically, that was their license. Five years. If they don't make a movie within five years, the rights go back to Marvel. So on the literal. Yeah, yeah. So on the literal five year mark, Amazing Spider-Man 2 comes out. Brand new cast brand new storyline yet they still retread over a ton of things so that movie while it did well uh, there was a lot of issues from the fans too including myself of saying why did we need to see uncle ben die again why did x y and z have to happen and then you know amazing spider-man 2 came out just a couple years after that which uh, if you guys listen to the spider-man saga episode is now one of my favorite spider-man movies uh, but it's so good. It's so good and at the time it wasn't and, and again that's that's the question I'm kind of posing is why 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 do we have this sort of toxicity within fandoms and and that's a that's something for a whole nother podcast but when it's in regards to this movie the strides that the marvel studios and sony have made this is their culmination film and Mm -hmm. it's it's very apparent from like the minute the movie starts and what i had kind of noted was i said that this movie is incredibly special because it combines all of the best pieces of what a Marvel Studios movie is and what a Sony movie is. And Mm -hmm. to come from selling a license to a studio and having all these people, like you guys have seen the vitriol out there about that of like, you know, Sony sucks, give the rights back to Marvel. You guys don't know what what you're doing. To come from that to having this thing where Sony has now gone their own way, they're creating their own Spider-Verse, good or bad, and Marvel Studios is doing their own thing too, but to see them teaming up, to see competition like that teaming up is unheard of. You never see that in movies. And yeah, it had been around when they said, yeah, we'll share Spider-Man for, uh, you know, Civil War, for Infinity War. You can, you know, we're going to let you make the, these, these Spider-Man movies. But this movie, this is like the crown jewel of it. This movie is the example that all other movie studios should look to, to say, this is what cooperation looks like. This is what happens exactly. when you put your differences aside and you say, what if we just made a really good movie and something that honors everyone, not just one person, not just one specific group of people. And yet, you know, they, so they highlight all the best parts of what a Marvel studio Spider-Man movie is. They highlight all of the best parts of what a Sony Spider-Man movie is. And they also joke at the bad parts of what a Sony yes. Spider-Man movie is, which is great. And it's still a Tom Holland film which is just mind blowing. And so one thing that I will point out again, full spoilers, uh, we didn't get to see Miles in this movie. Uh, He's mentioned, and I heard some people saying, man, you know, I wish that Miles was in this movie. And and I agree, I think it would have been cool, 
but this is a movie that is honoring the legacy of Spider-Man in the movie theater or like, you know, the Spider-Man cinema. And so you get Tobey Maguire, you get Andrew Garfield. It wouldn't make sense to have someone brand new come in as Miles Morales in this movie because this movie is all about honoring the past. Miles is the future. So the next movie that comes out, he's going to be in it. We all know that. I mean, my bet, and I think a couple other people have mentioned this too, that these across the Spider-Verse movies, they're going to be the movies that I think Miles comes into. You're going to get your animated part one. Part two is going to be a little more live action related. And Miles is now, you know, they'll do whatever they want, but that's, that's my prediction. And so it's just, to me, the fact that, I don't know if that's how they planned it, but I did just see an interview with Kevin Feige where him and Amy Pascal were saying that too, of like, this movie is a culmination of everything that's great about what we've done with Spider-Man. And to, to have that in your, in your bench now with bad Spider-Man movies, good spider-man movies and great spider-man movies you really have the gamut of everything now and like how could you want anything more than that so again i guess you know to kind of pull it back that's just my my was my big thought afterwards was i am like i'm there's a big theme here in this movie too about second chances and we're going to dive into that but i think there's a deep message here or maybe it's surface level of giving sony a second chance that like look look and see what we this is what we can make when we actually are working together with marvel studios when we're putting our egos aside and if this is what it is i'm willing to give them a second chance which is something i've never said before i wasn't Mm -hmm. even saying that during uh homecoming and far from home Mm -hmm. so to me to have them change my mind uh and a lot of other people's minds too is just magical it it yes oh my gosh that's yeah it's the perfect word and it, you know the miles the miles thing i i miles deserves his own moment yep. you know i mean i love that you know amy and kevin were talking about honoring the legacy of spider-man and cinema but uh, miles i love that we got the easter egg jamie dropped the easter egg so uh, we're looking forward to it right so i'm excited about that but miles deserves his own uh, for me he deserves his own moment so um the fact that we have that to look forward to and that this movie hinted at it it makes me super excited um and then uh just i was gonna piggyback on what you were saying about what makes this movie so frigging special it does it pulls all the good parts from all the Spider-Man films, but it also, and you know that this, uh, any movie that can do this is a great movie. Any movie that can take uh, even even the worst parts, like you mentioned, even the worst parts of the old Spider-Man films and make them special, like, to make you feel nostalgic <laughs> about yeah. about um you know spider-man toby's spider-man two and three which weren't the greatest but oh my gosh i, I this without without them we wouldn't have this uh, amazing audience experience again I, i'm sure we'll talk about this but m- the electricity in the theater and the excitement when those two guys showed up on screen was just I haven't felt anything like that since Endgame yeah and I just the fact that we can get that again that feeling again um I'm I'm 
I, I'm shocked. I am honestly so shocked that Sony and Marvel and John Watts, everyone involved, pulled this off. They, yeah. I was so nervous, um, but they absolutely pulled it off. And I am so pumped about if they can, if they can work out, you know, whatever residual issues there may be between the studios, I, going forward after this film, because I was still on the fence before this film, but after this, I'm full faith in Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige to, to keep on doing their thing. And yeah, second chance. Yeah. Yep, I think this <clears throat> earned it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we dive into the movie, uh, I wanted to call out uh, last night I watched uh, the red carpet premiere that's on YouTube. Anyone can watch it. I would recommend just watching the clips. They actually have, you know, the segmented clips of each of the interviews versus the entire thing. There's a lot of weird commercials, though they don't have a segmented clip for America Chavez, who has an interview. I think her name is what, uh, Zoichel Gomez. Uh, which I was like, I'm glad I didn't watch this before I saw the movie. She's not in the movie, but she's kind of in the movie uh, at the same time. Briefly, briefly. And uh, she was she was so cute when she was talking to because she, I, I didn't realize how young she was. And she was so polite. And, you know, they're always trying to get like a gotcha question. Uh, but th there's a couple of things I wanted to call out with this red carpet premiere. And again, so cool to watch it afterwards. Uh, and I'm going to save the best one for last. But uh, John Watts brought his entire family to the red carpet premiere and called them all out. So he had them all there while the lady was interviewing him. Uh, it was his two sisters and I think his brother or his dad and they're all frontline workers. And so he was like, I wanna take this time to highlight the things that they do because comparatively like my job is nothing. And he was like, my sister's a teacher, my other sister is a nurse, my dad is a firefighter something like that. And I was just like, John, you are a good man. Like that what is really cool. Yeah, I was like, this is just so awesome. and. Uh, then Simu Liu was there and he was the He's most spoilery of them all. I loved that. They were like, they were like, so what are you excited for most about this movie? And he goes, yeah, I'm excited to, you know, see the spiders, you know, I, I don't know. He goes, Hey, I, uh, he goes, I'm following all the same things you guys are out there. I'm reading the tweets. I'm trying to stay away from the spoilers, but he goes, I'm getting excited. And, and he was like, he said, this is a full circle moment for a lot of people. And I was like, you know what? That is That's what fair. it felt like. It felt yeah. like a full circle moment. And uh, I just thought that was so cool to see him, how, how excited mm -hmm. he was. He was like a total fan. Uh, and then who was this? Oh, Benedict Wong. Uh, they were like, what can you tell us about your character? Can you tease anything about it? And I was like, ooh, what is he going to say? And he said, he goes, well, uh, you know, he's, he has, th there's a shift. There's a little bit of a shift now. He says uh, he has different responsibilities now. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that's like a very nice. professional way of not saying that you became Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, that's awesome. But again, the crown jewel of this interview, and, and she has become the crown jewel at this point to me of Marvel Studios. She's approaching my my level, Kevin Feige level at this point, Victoria Alonzo. The, uh, I don't even, is she, pre she's president of uh, visual development? She's v v VP? She's got well, a really good was, title. She got like a brand new one, I thought. She just got promoted again. Oh, okay. So then probably. I, yeah. Something like that. She got a huge promotion. But yeah. she's just, she's absolutely incredible. 
And so, you know, she was talking a bit about it. Oh, you know, so excited to see this movie, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, okay, thanks. And she just, it, it sounded like she got into a, like, she had been rehearsing something to say. I don't, I haven't seen any other interviews, but she was like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, if, I guess if we don't see you again, uh, I just want to, you know, I want to wish you all a happy holidays. I think we put out uh, nine projects this year and we represented with all of our hearts. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I was just like, I got chills now as I'm saying it. I got chills when I was watching. I was just like, we did. I mean, you know, yeah. all of the crap that's been said about Marvel not being diverse. And again, we talked about this on the Eternals episode. Yes. Yes, and to did. hear her say that and kind of validate what we were talking about, that like they wanted to do this. They were just being held back by certain things. And now that they can, you can just tell that she's probably, well, we know she is one of those people that's really pushing for it. And for her to say it the way that she did, like it sounded like she was just addressing all of those fans that have been calling for it and saying like we represented our hearts out this year and I was just like that's just was so cool and it just made me respect her even more she's just she's an amazing woman oh yeah she's phenomenal I, I we got to see her speak at d23 in 2019 at, at one of the visual development panels um and she is just I, I mean she is just a brilliant brilliant lady um I, I I love I love hearing that the people in charge um, are, especially her, are on the right path. You know, they they're, yep. they are listening, they are learning, and they are wanting to grow. They're choosing to grow along with the audience, and I I really appreciate that. I yeah. love that, mm -hmm. especially as you know, and and it's no no diss to the movie, but there was a moment where I was like, we've got three white guys just jumping and yeah. swinging around. I was like, okay. But again, it made sense for this movie because that's what it had to be in terms of, mm -hmm. again, honoring what they were. But it's just, even in that moment, I smiled because I was like, look how far we've come that Spider-Man's, uh, the Spider-Man's amazing friends are all uh, people of color, which is mm -hmm. awesome. And so it was yeah. just, it was so cool to see that you know, there were tweaks that they made in that because, mm -hmm. you know, no one really cares about, you know, what race or gender they are, except for, you know, certain things, right? You know, yeah. and if they don't, you just pull them out of the multiverse and you make yeah. it happen. So it's like, we're at that point well, now where everything is possible. And and they do call it out, you, you know, they, they, Jamie Foxx is Electro yep. at the, at the end, he does call it out, says there must be a black Spider-Man somewhere, but he does, it, it's, there's a really, really amazing great self-awareness about this movie um because when he said when he tells andrew garfield's peter parker he said you're from queens you help people i so thought you, you were gonna be black people. yeah you help poor people i thought you were gonna be black um which plays as funny but i mean when you think about it that is a yeah. great commentary on the lack of representation in the last you know 20 years of superhero yeah. movies so uh, yeah that was yes to everything you just said yeah it's fantastic yeah. uh so yeah let's dive into the movie i'm not going to do a scene by scene breakdown i'm sure there's there's a podcast out there where you can listen to that i mean we we may end up doing that but we're going to be talking kind of about our highlights 
Uh, I'm just going to start off at the beginning. Oh yeah, I told you I was going to, so I was telling Sarah, yes, I was telling Sarah before the episode that I'm going to try and do the world's fastest synopsis of this movie instead, because I think, I think he can pull it off. So yeah, if you want to time me, that's fine. Listeners, you can do it too. So uh, this movie (laughs) picks up moments after Far From Home, Peter's identity has been revealed and the entire world now knows that he's Spider-Man. In doing so, Uh, The government, through damage control, uh, arrests him and his family and friends, who are all conspirators uh, of Spider-Man, and advises them that they need to lawyer up. So they do. They get a lawyer, and that happens to be the one and only Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox, in a scene-stealing that was also a scene-anticipating moment that, again, we all thought guessed that it was going to happen, but it was so relieving. This is not part of the synopsis, but uh, from there... (laughs) Everyone is cleared of all charges except maybe Happy, Uh, but they're not safe at their house. They're getting accosted. So they then move into Happy's apartment. And uh, instead, at this point, all Peter cares about is trying to get into college. They're seniors in high school. They applied to MIT and him, MJ, and Ned do not get in because of this whole controversy with Spider-Man. And so in doing so, uh, Spider-Man goes to Dr. Strange and asks him if he could cast a spell to make everybody forget that he's Spider-Man. He says that he can. Uh, He sort of gets to the point of doing it. We see it all in the trailer. Peter kind of messes it up and it causes a rift, which pulls in villains who know, or technically it pulls in people who know that he is Spider-Man or who know Peter Parker's identity, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, he fights a multitude of people from different multiverses and uh but ends up capturing them all in dr strange's uh, undercroft which is a badass name (laughs) and through that him and his friends are essentially planning to send them all back to their universe but aunt may gets involved and and uh, advises peter that uh he needs to be doing the quote-unquote right thing in healing and helping these people giving them a second chance before sending them back to their imminent death all of these villains were pulled in right before they died uh which is a really interesting philosophical conversation that we're going to get to yeah Uh, he doesn't agree but then he kind of does agree and then he uses science to try and cure all of them which he basically does uh but the green goblin does not like that he wants to continue to be the green goblin uh so he kind of escapes there's a huge fight aunt may dies and spider-man is given the with great power there must also come great responsibility which is a direct quote from the comics no movie has ever done that before we're going to get into all these scenes sarah uh and so from there he runs away basically and we uh get to his friends who are like we need to find peter and when uh, at this bit as well, we, we I skipped over it again. This is a synopsis, but they go to find Spider-Man using the sling ring and instead find the Spider-Man of the other movies, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Uh, again, we're going to get to these scenes, but finds them and they find Spider-Man, uh, yeah, to- Tom Spider-Man, and they all decide <laughs> to one. team up cure the villains and send them back, which they do. And then at the end though, the problem is the entire multiverse cracks open because now everybody is trying to come in and we see silhouettes of multiple people. I saw Craven, I saw Rhino, I saw Scorpion. Scorpion. And in doing so, he has to pivot. And he says, okay, instead of saying forgetting Spider-Man, I need everybody to forget that I'm Peter Parker, to forget that Peter Parker even exists. And so that's the spell that's cast. And he is thus now on his own. Uh, nobody knows who he is at all. He is a nobody again. And that is where the movie ends. How did I do, Sarah? Excellent. Three <laughs> minutes yes! and 30, 
Three minutes and 35 seconds. Nice guys. So there you go. You don't need, I mean, if you're, you don't have two and a half hours to watch this movie, just play that part <laughs> and we'll be good. Uh, but I, I, again, there's so much to dive into so many pieces that we missed from this. Um, from the beginning though, uh, again, I'm, I've got little notes and bits, so I'm not going to call every single thing out, but uh, I thought that he got off a little too quick from the whole Mysterio thing. Uh, but I also thought that that yeah. was incredibly comics accurate, that it just feels like, uh, you know, yeah. every issue J. Jonah Jameson is doing something to try and smear his name, calling yep. him a murderer or whatever. And half of New York thinks that he is one and he just kind of goes about his business. So it made total sense. And I love that in the same way. Cause I'm yep. like, of course they'd just be like, yeah, okay, fine. Like get out of here. But everyone still kind of hates him and all of that sort of stuff. So I thought it was pretty cool that the way that they did that, but at the same time, again, the movie can't do much more than that. But I was like, yeah. oh, they kind of got off a little easy. I mean, part of me wanted to see more Matt Murdock, but we'll start yeah. there, Sarah. what do you think of all that? what do you think of the opening of just this whole, you know, everyone knowing who he is and then seeing Matt Murdock, all of that stuff? Oh my God. Uh, the opening, I thought, I, I appreciated how they uh, essentially just went right from far from home into... Um, into the first scene i will say i did i missed the fanfare i i know what they were doing they were trying to catch up everybody and so they were playing the audio of like yeah. the last moments of far from home but i did miss the fanfare oh, um but minor very minor gripe um the opening was great it sets the stakes like you understand why peter <laughs> doesn't want uh doesn't want what's happening um yeah uh, what was what, matt what was the, yes oh, God. <laughs> yes oh matt murdoch um i my entire theater erupted yep. just erupted both both showings um and oh my gosh i thought his line when he catches the brick he's like how'd you do that i'm a really good lawyer <laughs> I, I i'll point so out good. that you notice that Tom also sticks his hand out to catch the brick. Yeah. That means Daredevil's reflexes are faster than Spider-Man's. Which and... is pretty amazing. And he, he was up, the, up from his back. Yes, yes. Um, and this is just rampant speculation at this point, but Matt Murdock suggests to Happy that he himself get representation, get a good lawyer, yeah and i am putting this receipt out there right now do it i know what's coming gonna do it gonna <laughs> do it um i want happy's lawyer to be jennifer walters yes. aka she hulk if it doesn't happen i'm gonna be really sad that's i mean that's makes the most sense in a way oh that would be so good it would be great did you think did you think of that in the movie uh, I was that. so lost in the movie that I didn't. I <laughs> I was like, just like, I was just still kind of just the fact that we got charged. I mean, my theater erupted the first time. The second time, no one said anything. And I was like, what? oh, maybe you guys haven't seen the Netflix series. But I just, the way that he, he was the exact same character. And so I'm he just so excited so with that and the, uh, the reveal in the last Hawkeye episode, which we won't spoil here if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, but it's also, I won't say who, but someone else from Daredevil uh, is in it as well. And just to see what they're going to do with this. I mean, this movie opens up so many Pandora's boxes uh -huh. of 
So we can cast the same actor, but they're a completely different character or they're the yeah. same character, but they have different motivations or, you know, they, mm-hmm. we, we may not even need to watch the Netflix series, except to say that's like a history book in a sense. You don't have to read it to know Matt Murdock, but if you read it, it'll enhance your viewing in yes. a sense. So yeah. I, I love that. And I just, again, it, it made total sense in that, you know, they kept saying, don't say anything without getting a lawyer. And you're like, this has to be Matt Murdock. And then it was, and it was yep. it just absolute perfection. Um, I, can I, I don't want to forget this, yes. um, but it's more towards the end of the movie. I realized that last shot of Peter and his face coming towards the camera and then it blacks out in credits. Um, he swings by the Rockefeller Center yep. tree. And it's that same skating rink that we see in the Hawkeye series. Do we see it in the series or do we see it in the trailer? We see it in the trailer. So does that mean it's in the last episode? That's what I want to know. So are we going to see Spider-Man? That Honestly, that's... I wouldn't need anything more than that, but to see him swing by would be so... Lose your mind. Well, well, and at least just all the different... Like, seeing how it's like a web... But I'm, it's like a web of all these things <laughs> intertwining um, the way that MCU and Disney Plus are all kind of feeding into each other. It's it's so friggin' good. Oh, they're so good at their jobs. Um, but even just knowing, you know, Charlie Cox now is officially in that world. We are gonna get Daredevil at some point. I would love to see him in the last episode of Hawkeye, but yeah, that would be cool. If I mean, again, I have no idea. Where's Spidey They've, swinging by? Everything that we've guessed for Hawkeye has already happened. <laughs> so there's, I have no idea what's going to happen in this last episode, which was is amazing. I mean, this that show, we're going to have a whole episode on it later on, but um, that whole show is just so good. That um, we get a call out here, and I know we had talked about this prior to recording, but I, uh, for those of you listening, you may be a little more eagle-eyed than myself or eagle-eared. Uh, this was the first time I heard Ned say his full name. And when he says, you know, I'm Ned Leeds. And I was just like, thank you. Like, I think we all knew that that's who he was, but I couldn't remember if he'd ever actually said his name. And we had talked about all of the Hobgoblin stuff prior to this coming out. I'm glad they didn't really get into it. And I know you, you know a lot about Ned Leeds almost more than I do. All I know is that he was Hobgoblin. I don't know. I know a bit about current day Ned Leeds from like Nick Spencer's run too, right. but is Nedling is is he a magic user? Uh, not as far as I know. His okay. his, well, but I mean, th- this is Clone Saga stuff that I know him from. So I just thought he was like a reporter along with Peter, yes. right? Okay, yeah. so he didn't have but, like I loved their whole thing about you know he's a mad he's got magic or he's like a ma- yeah. magical yeah. person. That was cool. So I didn't maybe know they're going to take a, it into a different direction. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. I mean, he deserves yeah. to be that. It would ru- it would ruin. Actually, I don't know if it would ruin it. It, it. You know, everything that he says to Peter when he's like, I promise I won't turn into a villain and kill you. Uh, and how scared he is when Toby's telling him. Uh, I just, it would make, it would be cool if he did turn into a villain because you'd be like the, the tragedy of it all. But it would also be cool if he didn't because it'd be like, good, Ned, you you know, you broke yeah. that cycle from the comics. So um, yeah, that was great. Also, J. Jonah Jameson was absolutely amazing in this. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, J.K. Simmons killed it as usual. And really, I know everyone was saying it after Far From Home of the Alex Jones vibe, but he absolutely embodied it in this one, too, of the desk with like, I don't even think he was wearing pants. Maybe he was, but he definitely didn't have shoes on. And then he's peddling uh, supplements just the same way that Alex Jones does. So uh, that was great. I, you know, was hilarious. But at the same time, I hated him. He Uh, was he was exactly as he's supposed to be. And it just made me so mad especially after everything happens at the end. And he's like, you need to unmask, you're a coward. And it's like, you're literally showing you that you cannot win with that guy, which is crazy because again, in the Nick Spencer run, and I think in some other runs too, he reveals his identity to Jonah and becomes like one of his good friends. Like Jonah's like, you're a good man, Peter. Like he just, he becomes like a a spider fan basically, which I thought was so cool. I don't think they did that every time, (laughs) but yeah. So that was cool. Uh, What'd you think of Jonah? I, I love J.K. Simmons. Um, I, I thought that it was like n- no time had passed between between films. He was exactly the same character. Yeah. Uh, it was it was great. The mo- <laughs> that moment when Liz- the lizard jumps out of the the van in front of Happy's building. Yeah, and he just goes. Did you see that? <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah. so perfect. It was. He's had all the hat. Everything that he had was just. Yeah, what you you're outside, but we're supposed to be inside. I, yeah, oh, yeah. He, yeah, he was so good. Um, so from there, the other you know where I kind of called out is, and I skipped over it in my notes, but uh, I loved him going to see Doctor Strange. I loved the, honestly, really loved the whole MIT thing of just mm-hmm. like Aunt May coming in, being like, "I got one," and then you know yeah. they'd open it and they'd say no, and just was just really sad and the death star legos right the there. death star yeah and the death star lego breaks and uh which i don't know if that's foreshadowing or not but the oh. uh you know it gets to that point where they don't none of them get into mit and we get another really great flash thompson of the no sleep till boston <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> wait what's good you guys didn't get in no because we're actually friends with spider-man <laughs> that was just so good but it all led to peter at being the perfect Peter Parker of being like, I can't have my friends take the rap for me. Yep. They literally didn't do anything. And so he calls Flash and he's like, hey, you know, keep flashes at a soiree for MIT. And he was like, yeah, you can, you know, the vice chancellor of admissions is uh, on her way to the airport, which to me was very reminiscent of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 when uh, Peter goes to say bye, bye to Gwen when she goes oh, to the yes. airport and is in traffic. Yep. Uh, much less tragic results in this movie, uh, thankfully, but we get a awesome, deservedly awesome action scene of, you know, this admissions counselor uh, or, you know, whatever title she is getting to actually see him be a hero, which I thought was so cool because public opinion is so hard to break for Spider-Man. And when she's like, you're a hero and she's like, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk to them about your friends and I'm going to talk to them about you. And he says, this isn't about me. And I was just like, Peter, you are so Peter. This is so like you yeah. are an amazing human being. But that action scene was insane. I loved. I, I had a note here of the nanotech takeover was amazing. Yes. I did not the expect Bluetooth. that at all. <laughs> the Bluetooth pairing, and then when he's yes. like crouched on the one arm as it's coming up, and he's controlling all the other arms, was just pitch perfect. And then I yep. forgot about Goblin, and then the Goblin, you know, bomb comes out, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. And people were cheering. And I was like, why are you cheering? We just saw the, like, we've seen the trailer, but I I was realizing like, 
you're so swept up into this movie that you forget that. And I want to take a pause here to talk about that because, um, because we get to talk about whatever we want here on comics and cinema. And <laughs> there are a lot of naysayers out there. Uh, maybe not a lot, maybe some, maybe few, maybe one that uh, did not like the way that Peter and Dr. Strange were portrayed in the trailers that, uh, you know, that there was some, some selfishness from both of them in acting the way that they were acting. And I know we had talked about it, you know, probably in private too around Marvel mm-hmm. has consistently been doing this. And I, I would almost say at this point that it's confirmed that you can't trust the trailers in the best way, which is so good to know because there's just been so many instances where things get spoiled from these trailers. And the fact that there's so much more depth to their relationship in this movie than what you see in that trailer of him being like, no, I'm not going to do the spell Wong. And then winking at Peter where it's like here, he was like, we come on, like, come on, he he deserves this. And yeah. like, hasn't he been through enough? And Wong even doesn't say no. He just says, leave me out of it. And mm-hmm. he, I mean, just, it was so perfect the way that he did it. And again, Peter wasn't doing it for selfish reasons. He was doing it because he wanted his friends to get into college. So yep. uh, trailers can always be deceiving. Do not judge a movie by its trailer, uh, which again, if, if we didn't or know that ca- now or a character exactly from its trailer. So um, we'll say no, no, no selfish buttheads in this movie. Uh, which was great. Again, I loved that. And and even in this, so again, that, that whole trailer bit was a little different too, with the hello Peter thing. Again, you know, we, we only yeah. saw his arm and we assumed like, Oh great. You know, Tony Stark is involved. And, and I think people were saying that about electro too. Oh, he's got an arc reactor. So great. Does the universe that he comes from, you know, we got to see Iron Man there yeah. too. And they perfectly danced around that and made it make so much more sense, which again, testament to the filmmakers that they were able mm-hmm. to pull off that much and keep us off the scent because I feel like those are some things you could have probably figured out if you'd have thought long enough about it. But we were so concerned with Matt Murdock and the other Spider-Man that you, you forget about all the other pieces of things, which was great. Yeah. Um, I loved when Sandman helps him get Electro. Yes. That was yeah. so cool. That, that right there yeah. is an awesome call out to Spider-Man three of him letting uh, Flint go at the end and realizing that he, you know, like I, I forgive you sort of thing. And so for Flint yeah. to be like, I'm here to help you sort of thing, even though he doesn't trust him, I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Foxx, you know, okay, so let, and maybe we'll start here. I'll, I'll ask you this, Sarah. What did you think of the villains? Ooh, of the villains. Um, and in I, no particular order. In no particular, okay. So then um, Jamie Foxx is on my brain right now. Yeah. Uh, I loved the, the intro line that Peter has. MJ's like, is that, is that him? Is that the right guy? And he says, no, that guy was green. This guy's blue. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's blue. <laughs> that one is funny. Um, I, I loved how he was different. Like he was feeling himself in this one. Oh yeah. Um, it, and that's a testament to Jamie Foxx's acting. He's, he's a genius. Um, but I thought the villains, um, I was worried that it was going to be too much, you know, but I thought it was great. I I didn't think we had too much of any one villain or too little of it. I think it was just pitch perfect. All of it was. Um, And and Doc Ock's turn, I mean, it was just such a delight. There is just just no other word for it. My dear boy. Yes. So just... Per, everything was like perfect 
I put a note in here about this too, because I think this is a good call. I'm sure we all know this, but I'm, I'm kind of verbalizing it that there's, there's a lot of uh, metaphor in this film. We talked about second chances and this is technically a second chance for all of these villains, both yes. thematically and literally uh, in that there's a magic in the MCU. And when you cross over into the MCU universe, you become a better villain. I mean, the MCU is famous for their villains. You've got Thanos, Zemo, Killmonger. Uh, now you have all these great ones coming out of the shows. And so it would only make sense that all of these terrible villains from the Sony movies would come into the MCU and they're all amazing now. Like they, mm -hmm. they get their little tweaks. Jamie Foxx is, uh, he gets to keep his body. He gets to have <laughs> cool electric powers now. He's way, he's a cool person. And he even acknowledges that of like, I love the energy in this universe. Like to me, that was a direct call out to the MCU of like yep. the MCU gets their villains. And when you come yep. here, we're giving you the Royal treatment, which I just, again, I don't know if they did that purposely, but I feel like they kind of did because I, every know. single villain, yeah. even Sandman and Lizard with the little time that they had were so good. And mm -hmm. you know, every exchange that they had of like, you know, what happened to you? I, I uh, <laughs> fell into a vat of electric yeah. eels. Oh, I, I fell into a super collider. He's like, gotta watch where you fall. And I like, <laughs> that was just every, oh, I was so perfect. So perfect. And then again, the fact that we had, uh, and I was wondering, cause they did a different voice for the lizard. And so when it was Rice Icons yeah. there at the end, I was like, this is just, this is yeah. perfect. Like they, they nailed every single villain. Some were better than others. Obviously Norman Osborn, I think was my favorite of them all. And then Electro was right there below him or right there beside him with Doc Ock a little bit below that. But, you know, him just got him helping out. So here, here's another thing I'll call out too. Um, you know, when the goblin, he breaks his, his helmet and walks yeah. away. And I, I wrote down goblin no more because uh, it's the exact yeah. same thing as yeah. Spider-Man when he tosses his yeah. suit in the trash in the, in the Toby movies, mm -hmm. which was cool. But, uh, you know, they're getting tied up and they're there in the uh, sanctum. And when Dr. Strange shows up, Dr. Doc Ock says, what is this, a birthday party? Yeah. And I understand the whole party trick aspect of it. But the uh, for our comic book of the month uh, episode that we're going to be talking about for Spider-Man, the J. Michael Straczynski issues uh, is the, the arc is called Happy Birthday. And the arc is about <laughs> uh, all of the villains coming in from other universes that Peter has to fight. So it's literally the exact same thing, which was That's such an hilarious. awesome call out. So I, I know that that was partially why they said that. And I was like, I'm so glad I read those issues, you know, before this movie, it, <laughs> it totally enhanced, uh, enhanced the viewing. I love this too. Uh, Peter using science to heal all of the villains was a yeah. really strong message, yeah. not just of, you know, never giving up, but uh, I, it reminded me of Mr. Fantastic with the thing. And I wonder if in a way, because John Watts is going to be doing Fantastic Four too, if they're going to address that, because that's like a famous Fantastic Four thing is that no matter how hard he tries, there is no cure to the thing. The closest they ever got was in, I believe it was in Hickman's run where he gave him a serum where, and it's the most, it's like the most tragic thing ever, but it's uh, once a year, he becomes human for 24 hours. Yes. and and then he goes back and it was like so there'd be every year they would have an issue about the thing where he's human and he's you know doing stuff for that day and it was just so sad um because but and i get it because when you look at it if you would argue it it's because they got cosmic rays that hit him so 
you know, who, who the heck knows what that means? But with all of yeah. these villains, it's like science is what turned them into the villains. So you can use science to back it out. But just a, a very cool science message, a very pro-science movie, too. Mm-hmm. We get the whole, uh, you know, it's and better math. than magic. Math. Yes. I thought he was going to say science. I was like, oh, he, he's going to say math, isn't he? Like, oh, I hope he says science. But he said math. I was like, that's fine. Uh, but just that was incredible. Oh, this is geometry. Yeah. I, I know geometry. I'm good at geometry. Yeah. I was like, oh, dude, this is just amazing <laughs> um so that was cool uh and you know there's a lot of really good character development in this bit when they're gathering all the villains in there uh because peter went behind his friend's back uh both ned and mj and mj instead of getting upset at him like in prior films uh said you know next time just include us she was like you yeah. know we could b- help you brainstorm you know if it's a situation where the universe is at stake maybe run it by us and and we can yeah, help we, we can and he workshop. was like yeah we can workshop and he was like okay yeah. and the look the look that tom like tom's facial expressions in this movie are like a master class in and of themselves because they're just so natural and he's just got yeah. that look of i can't believe you're saying this in the best way and yeah. it just made me smile so big. And then Dr. Strange shows up with that box and he's like, all right, we're sending them all back. And it's like, oops, no, if we send them back, they're going to die. And, oh, and we could, I, I skipped over this, but uh, one of my favorite lines, which I called out in the Spider-Man song comes straight from Spider-Man one, when Norman Osborn drops Harry off at school off, uh, and uh, looks at Peter and he says, ah, you like science. Yes. I'm something of a scientist myself, yes. which is, uh, is funny because again, you know, it's been turned into so many memes and, and it's, it's now larger <laughs> than life. So for them to put that in here, uh, they didn't cheer for Matt Murdock in my second showing, but they cheered for that. When he said that a bunch of people were like, Oh my God, he just said that. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Mine cheered too. Oh, it was just so, yeah. and to hear him say Octavius, I was just Willem Dafoe. I don't know how much they paid him, but he almost, I mean, he, he was better than he was in Spider-Man and he was amazing in Mm Spider-Man. Like he immediately went into this, into his like father mode to Peter. Yep. And the whole, when he says, uh, you know, I've been watching behind Norman's cowardly eyes. I was just like, this is just, and his facial expressions, everything gobliny about him, his freaking hood. He, yes. I mean, he gets his con- a con- um, as close as you could yep. get comics accurate within the confines of a film, which again, that's an MCU thing, right? They know how to do their costumes and they pulled it off with him. It just was amazing. And I, I had talked about maybe Harry was going to come back and all that. I'm so glad he didn't. I'm so glad with the way that it, yeah. came, it came and went the way that it was that he legitimately was a good person and wanted to be a good person, but he had a mental illness that was preventing mm-hmm. him from doing so. And it just made it, it made it make that much more sense and just how deep that was. Yep. I I do wish they had maybe talked about that a little bit more, Um, but there was already, this movie is so ambitious. Yeah. Um, But I mean, you do understand that there is a mental health issue. Um, And yeah, Willem Dafoe is just his, just his eyes, the way that he, Oof, at the end when um when he finally snaps out of it when peter gets him with the the serum and he just he had he does this thing with his eyes it's super creepy but you just you can see the person inside behind the eyes 
change and he looks at peter and he says what have i done yeah and it's it's like oh wah. especially to, to peter having almost tried to kill him yes yeah just yeah heartbreaking and heart-wrenching um yeah there, there was a great piece there too of uh and i think we talked about this at one point of him his his spider sense i think his spider sense has always been my favorite power of peter's of seeing because th- there was a point when i was younger too because i would read like the dk about you know you'd have the lists of what their powers were and i always remembered because my favorite characters to read were always him venom and carnage and it was like peter parker can lift i think it was like 50 tons yeah and and venom can lift eight uh 70 tons and carnage can lift like 90 tons so it was like each one was stronger than the next but then they would say you know his spider sense can allow him to do this that and the other and you would see this rendition in video games where you know you'd get to click a button at the last sentence where it allows you to dodge to see that's how his spider sense works or you see it in random movies they pulled out all the stops on his spider sense in this movie and this to me was the highlight of it because i loved how they did the whole he can sense danger, which reminded me a lot of they kind of did it in the other two, but it really reminded me of Andrew Garfield's one where yes. you know there's that bit where he senses it from really far away. And it's like, how do yeah. you know that? It's almost like precognition. Well, it is precognition, but on a grander scale, because typically it's only for him. It's like if he is in imminent danger, his spider sense will go off. But like when he realizes the goblins doing something that whole bit when he does it on the bridge. But when he's with Doctor Strange and his body is just moving the box around while he is floating in the air in his astral form, mm-hmm. and you even see the waves, the wave, yes, yeah. the waves coming off of his head, and he, I love that he was just like, "What did you do to me? This is awesome!" And I, just yeah, like, you never hear. It just, I feel like his spider sense was meant for someone like Doctor Strange in that sense to truly show yep. just how powerful the kid he is. To he's like, you know, how are you doing this? And it's like. He doesn't even know how he's doing this. Like we, we, you never fully tap into the true power of the spider sense in any shape or form, in, which is good. There's always a little bit of an air of mystery to it. But did you like that scene too? Oh my gosh, it was it, it, oh, it was just so that good. whole bit of him. You know, they have their little thing. He keeps trying to escape, and he's got the portals plotted out where yep. he like gets him to web his own leg, and then he's like <laughs> he's like pulley and levered in between the train, and then he. He keeps going through over and over, like just, just a great use of uh, the studio space, you could say. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And my my nephews are big uh, STEM guys, so oh, nice. when when Peter when he says no, it's better than magic. Nah, they both uh, they both were like given little cheers. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like i said very pro-science movie i hope this inspires a lot of young people to pursue that I sort of so. stuff because yeah. they really leaned into it in this one of him like when he's like shooting at the rocks he's like okay you know the square root of pies blah 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 yes, trying to yeah. connect all of it i was like you go man this is awesome um so we get to a spot where and i'm, I'm curious of your thoughts we're going to get into this philosophical conversation so the issue is if these people are sent back to their own universe they will die they basically will live out the fate that they had in the original movies, or Peter can try and fix them much like most people try and fix other people with issues or send them back. And Aunt May is the one who kind of chastises him because he just wants to send them back. And I don't blame him because he's, he's, you know, at this point, 17, maybe 18, and he just wants to live his life. He just wants to go to college. And I feel so bad for him having to 
in a sense, have Aunt May thrust that responsibility back on his shoulders because she even says, like, not your responsibility? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah. And starts, but I was like, May, like, why are you doing this? But at the same time, I was like, I get it. Like, I get it. She's right. It's like, you know, the, the thing that you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. And so I was curious to, to see if you took it that same way, where it was like, on my first viewing, I was just like, all of this could have been avoided if they'd have just sent them, sent them back to their own universe. The movie would have also only been an hour and a half. And mm-hmm. we also <laughs> wouldn't have gotten to see a comics accurate Spider-Man because Spider-Man wouldn't let them go. He would try to heal them. And yep. it's, that's, to me, that's the embodiment of Peter Parker is that he just, yeah. He's just so unlucky in that sense that even when he, and I will talk about this at the end. I have a note on this of like, even when he wins, he loses. He all, that's how it always is. And this to me felt like that, but did you feel the same way? Oh, I, man, as much as I believe in, you know, everyone deserves an opportunity to grow, to learn and grow um, from the decisions they make, the choices they make. Um, I, because here's, (laughs) here's the thing is back in their universes now, what are the ramifications of them being them them living them you know there's everything is a ripple right um so i just i kind of i kind of agreed with dr strange um that you know on in the cosmic scale the cosmic scheme of things you know their sacrifice did more um kind of like what the ancient one was saying to him and what if which is funny there's a lot of what if call outs in here and before i forget it uh, he shrinks that spell down into a orange yes. garnet gem the exact same way that they sh- he shrinks down Ultron and Killmonger mm-hmm. into that purple singularity. Exact same thing. So yep. we got to see a live action version of that, which I thought yep. was so cool. Yep. And, oh. and live action. Mm-hmm. Live action, we will get to it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I know. I uh, When I saw that, I was like, is it? It kind of looked like it, but I was like, you know what? I don't care. That's it. That's awesome. I'm here yep. for it. Let's go. Yep. Like yep. that, that to me is like the first time. I mean, that's probably, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, but that's like, a, it's a big deal because <laughs> when you're talking about the Spider-Verse coming, the animated Spider-Verse coming in, you have now created the precedent of having an animated series turn into a live action series, which is, mm-hmm. uh, it's just... Mm-hmm. and if what happens in those animated series can also happen in the mcu then Mm -hmm. natasha's not dead natasha's not dead (laughs) preach it preach it i'm here for it um okay so moving on the next thing is um yeah so i was just talking about sony giving a, a second chance the villains were great uh, we're going to get to uh, the first scene where I cried. And so I, I didn't mention this at the beginning. I know you talked about it a little bit too. I was incredibly emotional in my first viewing yes. of this. And there was something, and, and again, I said it in the beginning, but I feel like I, I want to be that example of, of saying, I know when I'm wrong and admitting that I'm wrong. Um, I, I've always been anti-Sony. Oh, I haven't always been, but ever since Marvel Studios, I've been very anti-Sony. I was very against the Andrew Garfield movies when they came out. 
as much as I loved Andrew Garfield, he's, he's an amazing actor. And I, it was weird. It was like, it's like having a new kid join your table at school and they're a super cool kid, but you don't like them because you know, your friend moved away and cool. you don't get to yeah. see them. And it's like, and that's how yeah. I always felt about Andrew Garfield was I was like, he's a damn good Spider-Man and a damn good Peter Parker. And I don't like that because he's not in the MCU and it doesn't count. And when he, well, we're going to get to it and I don't, I, we'll see if I get emotional again, but all I'm saying is there was a lot happening in this movie where I was like, I love those movies. And I know we talked about them in the Spider-Man saga of like, yeah, Spider-Man three isn't that good, but I love it anyway. I think I, I made it clear that I really like those movies, but I'm talking about my past in that I was actively anti the Andrew Garfield movies, Spider-Man three. I used to be pro Spider-Man two, and now I'm on, on the other fence too, but I love them all now. And when, yeah, when they walk through the, we're going to get to it. I, I, and they walked through those portals was just, but, but anyway, so when I watched it the first time, I, I, I felt like, you know, the quivering of the lip and the, you know, I was getting to that point. I didn't openly cry, but I, I got so close to it. And I think part of it, like we were talking about is I was just so hopped up on adrenaline in this movie that I didn't have the time for it. And I was just worried about what was going to happen next in the movie, because it's such a, you know, roller coaster of a movie, this second viewing, knowing what was going to happen I actually did have some tears during this and during this specific teen and scene is where I had the most tears was when yep. Aunt May died. And I just, I couldn't control it myself when I was in the theater that second time, because I was just like, I, even the first time I was like, eh, you know, maybe the, Ben kind of felt a little more, you know, poignant just because it was from the comics. But I was like, no, like we've seen May over two movies. Now I was not expecting this to happen. And even when she said it on the first viewing, I was like, okay, cool, but she's good. And then I was like, what? Hearing her say those words on that second viewing, knowing what was coming, that's when I, I started really mm -hmm. getting shooken up. And I was just like, for her to be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I just, I just need to catch my breath. And yep. he's like, okay, all right, yeah, let's do it. And when he's down there and he says, he says, May, what are you doing? And I was just like, after she died, and I was just like, I, I just couldn't help myself. And the fact that she said it the exact way it was said in the comics, which has never been done, but like they managed to pull it off again, where you're getting to hear those words again. And it just, it was devastating. And again, in the Ugh. best way, I, I just can't stop thinking about that scene and how, how much it means with them doing so little again, they, they literally retread over any others. She just, she died. And she died yep. due to nothing that Spider-Man did in this case. In a sense, technically, it's her fault that she died yep. because she's the one who told him to, yep. uh, which is just, you know, a huge screw you to the goblin for trying to convince him that it was his fault. But what did you think of that whole scene, Sarah? Uh, it hurt my soul. Uh, I didn't see it coming. I really did not see that coming. Um, I love Marissa Tomei. I loved... Um, I loved Aunt May. I, I thought, I, you know, I thought Peter's big loss was going to be Tony. So, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't anticipating um, a, another big loss like that. Um, oh, it just it broke me. But I, as soon as the glider you see it hovering outside the the front door as soon as it like 
slowly comes into frame, I got scared. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. And then it crashes through the window and it hits her. And at that point, I was like, oh, shh. okay, <laughs> well, that's it. Goodbye, Aunt May. And then she gets up. And I'm, I was like, oh, oh, thank God. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I jumped the gun. Okay, this is like the a Hollywood recovery from something somebody shouldn't recover from. Um, and then she stands up and as soon as she said that line, I knew that she was not gonna make it. Um, but what I appreciated about it was that she said it on her feet. She yeah. wasn't, she wasn't, Di- you know dying and she wasn't weak and she wasn't you know I I loved that they had her say it on her feet um and it's still when she when she collapsed and oh god it, I it's gonna take me a while yeah and we'll we'll, we'll talk about it at the end too I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts of what does no way home mean but when you look at it and you say you know homecoming being that he's coming home to the MCU and then far from home being like, let's see what we can do, making him leave and be far away from home. But in a sense, you know, he was given all these gadgets. He was giving all these connections and now he has nothing. And I think there's a lot to say there in terms of, it's almost like they, they brought him back to his comic book roots at the same time, honoring everything. Whereas again, like they didn't do it so well in the Sony movies but here they earned all of that. Like now it's just so funny to think about. I mean, I I thought about that on the second viewing of how similar the ending is of this to the first Spider-Man movie where Toby, you know, and I even said it of like, Toby, you are an idiot for rejecting MJ and all that stuff. And yet they did the exact same thing here and it worked so perfectly and it was built up so perfectly. And so, and we'll talk about that when we get there, but yeah, this was gut wrenching. He leaves, he runs away. And again, um, when he fights Dr. Strange, he ends up stealing Dr. Strange's sling ring. We actually get a really great, great quote. One of my favorites from the movie is, is when Ned tells Dr. Strange, so how did you know you were a man of magic? And I just, I loved the way that he said that. Uh, But so he has a sling ring. And he starts seeing sparks kind of come out of his finger at a couple points. And so he says, I just wish that Peter were here. And, uh, you know, we see a little bit and she's like, do it again, do it again. And she, he does it again. And we see a Spider-Man off. Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't catch it right away. I should have. Uh, The theater is what tipped me off because the minute that that portal opened and I'm interested this too. I hope this isn't the Marvel go-to and I don't think it will be of like all of the emotional scenes come from someone opening up a portal, uh, like in Endgame, <laughs> same thing, right? Like I, I was thinking about that as I was watching, I was like, I wonder if our brains have been trained with that sound effect of the as it opens yeah. to be like, oh my God, something big's coming. Uh, but the minute Andrew Garfield came, that's why I, I cried in that on the second yes, feeling. And that's what I was alluding to earlier was I just... I felt this embarrassment in myself of like, why did I think that way about him? And why did I think that way about Toby as he came through the, the portal too? And I was just like, I just, it, it felt like such a catharsis of looking at that kid, those kids at the table and just being like, you know what? I don't care. You, 
you did what you did and you actually did a ton of amazing things in what you did in those films and i love you for it and i'm so mad at myself for denying that denying that piece of myself for what 10 years 15 years of being that way and it all came out through those tears of just like I, I was really struggling of being like, I think Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man is what I had said in the, in the second viewing, just because I was like, everything he does is so perfect. And then Toby comes through and I was like, Toby, what are you doing? Now I'm thinking it's you. Like, like the fact that he's this, the adult Spider-Man that we get in into the Spider-Verse of like him just being this Uncle Ben to Peter. And we'll, we'll get to that point because I think there's a huge Uncle Ben moment from him. Mm-hmm. But it just it made me wish and i was thinking this in the theater i was like i hope that even though i already own the 4k steelbooks of the the holland films and the blu-rays of some of the other ones i hope they release some sort of 4k set of all of of the entire saga of all the tobys all the andrews and all the hollands because i want i want that i want something and that's maybe why i like owning physical things like i want some monument that i can Mm -hmm. look at to go yeah some of this wasn't perfect but as a whole, kind of like Simu said, this was, and I guess that's why it's a portal, a full circle moment of these characters coming in and just, I, I mean, there's so much you can say about it and uh, I'll let you say it. So <laughs> what did you think of, no. uh, we'll start with Andrew and then we'll move I, to Toby. Uh, so as soon as the portal opened, um, I could tell by the way that he was walking and and he was too tall he was too tall and then the closer the closer he got oh my gosh i'm getting so excited just talking about it i know okay so i'm this is this is um not news for my i think my family knew this but i don't think i've shared it with you guys because i don't want to start fights andrew garfield is my favorite spider-man Wow, Sarah. So it sounds like, <laughs> okay. He is my favorite Spider-Man. I loved, I loved his performances. I thought his chemistry, obviously with Emma Stone was beautiful. His performance at the end of Spider-Man 2 is, I, for me, I just, oh. That scene God, that with him and May me. in the bedroom? With May. And then when he loses Gwen, uh, when he yeah. can't, oh, ugh, I can't. He's, he's just brilliant. And he's a Broadway guy. I just, I, I love Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Um, he was my favorite. So I was very glad that I was not the only one screaming <laughs> when he came through that portal. Uh, everyone, my entire theater just lost their minds. Um, and he was perfect. He was per- like just immediate. He's, he's like, wait, so string theory? All that, like, it's real? Yeah. Matter, <laughs> and, what was it? String theory? Uh, multiverse? String theory. Matter displacement? It's yes, all yes, real. yes. Yeah. Yes. Magic? You guys have magic here? Yes. The Pro- perfect Prove your Spider-Man. Nerdy. Yep. Yep. And when he, by the end, when... Uh, Brilliant. Uh, my, uh, Lola says you guys need to clean up all of this webbing. Oh, sorry, Lola. I was like, I yes. love that he called her by her name. I just... Yes. Everything he did was perfect. I mean, when he... So you, you get him and then Toby walks through... And he's just like, he, he looks older and he looks a little more gaunt. And I, I like liked a, that. I was worried. Well, I, I mean, part of me was wondering if it was just, you know, cause Toby, Toby has some uh, 
would you call it Qu- questionable vices i would say if any mm, of you have seen okay. uh molly's game uh with jessica chastain there's uh yes. oh, you've seen it yes uh do you remember uh what michael Sarah? yes yeah. yeah he was playing toby <gasps> mcguire Stop it. Yeah, that was one of Toby's things was he was like a underground gambler and would he was in they they said that he was insane that like and I I won't say anything more than that to say you know I don't want to be misquote him but he did a bunch of crazy things so like he's like a kind of a party guy I think you would say so I, I was wondering if like I was like oh you know is he okay but as it went on I was like this is actually perfect because he looks older with that he's, way he looks yes. a little more tired a little more grizzled and wizened, wise, yes, grizzled. Wizened right? and gri- yeah, <laughs> I'd rather say wizened than grizzled. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and it just the way that they both said, you know, saying I'm Spider Man kind of defeats the whole anonymity. I just said that too. And Menjay's like, yeah. he just said that. It was so great. And then he's like, you know, where where would he go? Kind of like his quiet place. For me, it was the Chrysler building. This is the Empire State Building for me as a better view. That is a better view. And then they yeah. go there. And, and again, you don't and this to me is the message to fans of why you let marvel studios make the movie because the next scene is not them meeting spider-man it's mj and ned crying with spider-man about aunt may and so it's not like you could have easily just been like the spider-man show up to talk about it but it was like no you need to have this grieving moment and Oh, character first and they just hug and then she's like you know there's some people who here want to see you and seeing them both on that tower jump down in their own ways absolute goosebumps uh and then them explaining and he's like no i i don't want to hear it you guys have no idea what i'm going through and i was like peter peter and for him to be like you know it was my uncle ben and i was like is he gonna also no no he's using gwen let's go like i love that that they both had and it it was true i thought because again i think the uncle ben portion of asm was unneeded so for them to focus on the gwen aspect love that and then it ties into the ending and for them to explain that and for garfield's performance of him tearing up and being like i you know i couldn't save her and i just got i loved him saying it because i was like is that a word when he says rageful i was rageful and I was just like, this is just, this is peak. I mean, we're getting, we are getting the closure that we never got for those movies, yep. especially for Garfield, because he was cut especially. off at, at the knees. But even with Toby, I mean, you know, he talks about that scene where, and from there, you know, they say, okay, let's make a plan. And so they all tag team and do their science experiments together. And I love that. He's like, we're going to, we're going to kick some ass. We're going yeah. cu- to cure some ass. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna cure all kinds of ass and um but yeah when he's talking about uh mj to andrew garfield he's like do you have someone he was like no uh you know it's kind of hard in our line of work and he was like yeah you know it's complicated which i got a laugh out of me because i was like yeah it's complicated i know but then him saying that they're still they're, they're together was such a just made me smile because I was like, there's hope for that. Then there's hope for that Mm -hmm. series that, you know, that they end up getting together by the end of it. And I think they kind of do at the end of Spider-Man three, that movie's just so convoluted that I always forget how it ends, (laughs) but it's not good. Yeah. Oh my God. And they create, I just love where he was like, I, he said, I'll create, I can, I think I can do this goblin serum because I've had a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. And was just such a deep 
it just felt like everything that came out of both of their mouths was so meticulous in the best way. And when he's explaining that, and then he's got, you know, they have the whole web shooter conversation. He's like, you know, and he's he's just like, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, a thing that you guys use web shooters, which was great. And so then they go to their place. They, they do an instigation uh, through J. Jonah Jameson to get all the bad guys there. So essentially they're going to get them all there. They're going to cure them all and, uh, and, and save the day sort of thing. And we get this beautiful only could happen with Marvel studios until another studio proves us wrong uh, of an amazing piece of character development with all three of them there on the scaffolding talking. And uh, I'm sure you've got some bits that were your favorites. The things that stood out to me were Andrew Garfield saying, I've always wanted brothers. Yeah. Just, I, just, I'm, I just started shaking with that. And when he was like, hey, which is crazy that Peter says this, because he talks about, you know, I, I had my own existential crisis. I, I ran out of webbing at one point. And I thought that was cool because I hated that in Spider-Man 2. And that was a really cool call out. Uh, but as was him being like, hey, what's with the self-talk, the this self-doubt talk, which was crazy because he had so much of it in the movie. So you can clearly tell that he's learned from it. But yep. for him to say, you're amazing. <laughs> it's yes. Like, yes, you are amazing. I know some people said they would have wished that he would have said, yeah, I'm the amazing Spider-Man. But I loved the the, the so yeah. so we told, didn't need it it was yeah. such an andrew garfield thing where he was like no no i no i definitely needed to hear that thank you where yeah. he like kept repeating it because he clearly wanted to move on was just so great and then yeah the whole webbing thing so where does the webbing come from he's like honestly it's like uh you know it's kind of like breathing i don't really like think about it does it come anywhere else besides your arms he's like no no <laughs> uh just oh and then him with his back when he was like, yeah, my Yo, back, my and gosh. he cracks his back. I've done that with people, and people have done that to me, and I was just like, this is so cool, and I saw, too, there's a call out that uh, the scene, and I think it was Spider-Man 2, where his power stops working, and he falls from the building and smacks yes. his back on the car, that they're saying maybe that was kind of what caused it, obviously, the web swinging, too, but it was just, just amazing, literally amazing in every way. Yep. Yep. I, I j- the the end it it it's a callback to that moment in his movie in toby's movie but it's also an acknowledgement of you know time has passed they're not forcing anything you know like it's just that and it's a um i i know you already mentioned the writing team but i the more we talk about these things the more i like i keep thinking like oh yeah that's excellent writing that's oh yeah that was a great they wrote that really well uh they did a great job putting you know i was really worried how they were going to pull this off everything they had going on but they pulled it off and they pulled it off just spectacularly it almost felt like they weren't trying yeah it was like it was just effortless so great it was so great yeah all of it and john watts pulling those performances from andrew and toby i loved them all in this movie more than i've loved them in any other spider-man movie all three i would say that too all three of them hands down this was their this was their best performance for we got from all of them which again that's what you it's it's so weird to say sarah because you see spider-man 3 and again for some, arguably Spider-Man 2, you name it, X-Men 3, uh, Batman. 
the the infamous thing was that sequels to superhero movies aren't good they're they do not hold a candle to the original and mcu just keeps doing it every single time where you forget that this is a culmination this is the end of a trilogy and yet it feels just like so much more so expansive and yet Mm -hmm. you know it, it sets so much up too and it's just it's weird to think that when you're in here like i never once was like wow this is just the you know the end of a trilogy i was just like this is an amazing movie. Like they make Mm -hmm. good movies. They do not make, they call them trilogies, but in a sense, they're just, it's one comic book run after the next one. And it's like, they just continuously keep doing it. And it's like, until they make a bad one, I'm going to keep going to see them because when they have this caliber of quality, it's just, it's mind blowing. And to think, just to think about if we're going to get even a fraction of this with the Fantastic Four is just you know, John Watts, I know I, that has to be the reason why too, I think, because they, you know, this has probably been in development for a while and I wouldn't be surprised mm, if it oh, was yeah. like Kevin saw the work John was doing on this and he was like, dude, man, yeah. you want to do Fantastic Four too? Because they're like legacy characters as well. And oh man, if they pulled things from like the Tim Story movies in and did the same thing they did with this, that would be insane. I actually really like the Tim Story movies, but um, God, yeah. And so then from there, uh, the, the villains start coming. And uh, we get a gr- great fight sequences. I know we've, we've talked about it, uh, but the fight sequences in these movies are just incredible. I mean, everything about them is amazing. And uh, in this one in particular, we get to see what would happen in live action if three Spider-Men were working side by side, I'll say, not together. And it was, it was cool because you realize how similar they are. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. the biggest scene of it was when, uh, I think, what was it? Uh, Tom was holding on to something and he shoots some web and one of the other guys swings right yes. through the web. And I was yeah. just like, oh, and no one even said anything. I think it was Andrew. And it was like a minute later, he was like, sorry, because he probably didn't even realize it. And I was just like, that's right. <laughs> these guys, they don't do team ups. And then yep. they call that out. And he's like, okay, we need, he was like, honestly, I'm just, I'm not good at being anything more than solo. And Toby was like, yeah, me too. And he's like, look, I don't want to brag, but I will. I was in the Avengers. And Toby's like, you were, that's great what are they what is that <laughs> and andrew's like wait is that a band were you in a band <laughs> like, no it, it doesn't matter All of, and i love that because then they they fed off of that and he was and toby said yep. what let's just focus on one villain and then andrew was like yeah we can all hit him all at once and he was like i love that and then we got one of my favorite scenes in the movie of them all three jumping off the scaffolding <sighs> cheering while yes. they all did their own famous yep. moves they spin around i don't know who did it but one of them web swings both of the other two and swings all three of them around and we get another incredible moonlight side of the scaffolding with all three of them in their spider-man you know kind of things and then they all land in their own spider-man poses and obviously cheers in the theater for that but again that's that's your comic book splash page right there that's your into the that's your spider-verse spider-geddon whichever comic book series you like uh (laughs) the clone conspiracy doesn't matter that that was just uh incredible stuff and so we actually see them take out all the villains so um they zap uh kane marco they use that thing to turn him in which was great and then we get to see him in that classic uh shirt yeah and we get to see that it's tom and Hay- thomas hayden church which again you could have been like huh because the voice was very deep a little different yeah uh and same thing with rice iphons too when they got him and he turned back into himself 
Uh, and then we get to see Electro, who arguably was the most dangerous person of them all. Yes. And yeah. to see Doc Ock show up out of nowhere. And, and also we skipped over that, but and I love just that whole turn of when he says uh, it's so quiet. Yeah. And was oh, just I so forgotten. Yeah. Right. It was just so, so cool to see. And so cool to see him working with Norman and Norman saying, you know, if, if all of this pans out, uh, if you don't mind, uh, you know, if you need a job and you don't mind commuting to a different universe was just so the smile that he had, because that was legit Norman. That wasn't Green Goblin. Yeah. And that was just so cool to see him admiring Peter, to see all of them kind of admiring Peter, which we've never seen before. So in a sense, yeah. that's where I would say, okay, and comics and cinema, you guys are hearing this here first. I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man. And that's how I'll say it, because when you look at it, the other two could not accomplish what Tom Holland did. And although Tom Holland screwed up and brought all these people in, look how he, like he, he brought out the best in all of these villains and he fought for them to get a second chance, which none of the other Spider-Man did. And again, products of their time, that's fine. But when you're looking at it from that thing like that, to me, that's the only argument that you need to say that he's the best Spider-Man, best Peter Parker, whatever you want to call it. That's yeah. what it is. But I'm just, I, I've realized now that I am, I'm a sucker for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and I'm not, I'm done hiding it, Sarah. I'm here, and I'm, I'm saying it. Um, so yeah, no, that whole bit was great. And you all, and then that Doctor Strange shows up and we get, we get yes. the great bit where he's like, did you just open a portal? And Ned's like, yeah, huh. Yeah. Y- yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Huh. He walks off. I was like, ooh, I hope there's a future there. Uh, Ned falls off the scaffolding and he gets caught by uh, the cape, which was a fantastic shot that as was well. Funny. Yes. But more importantly, MJ falls off the scaffolding and Tom Holland tries to catch her. And we knew it was coming. Again, we talked yep. about this. This yep. was rampant speculation. It did not diminish this one bit. No. Nope. When the glider comes and takes him away and you see Garfield's eyes light up mm-hmm. as he jumps and catches her with plenty of time to spare, plenty of room yeah. to shoot his web. And the minute that he lands, he starts crying. Yeah. And, I, and I, started, I started welling up because I was just like this, that's that retro, the uh, like, just, this is the, I was going to say retribution. I don't think that's the right word, but just, this made everything worth it from the last movie to see him redeem himself. Absolution. Yes. Perfect word for it. And I loved when his first thing, again, he's crying, you know, there's a million things going on in his head. And he just says, are you okay? And I just, I mean, I'm getting rolled up now too. And he's, and she says, yeah, are you okay? And <laughs> yeah. he just, he just kind of nods and you, you just know while you're watching it. And it just, my God, you, that was just, you know, you know what it means to him to finally, cause you know, that moment has replayed in his head so many times yeah. and for it to finally end in a way that doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, I'm, he healed, he, he had to have experienced a little bit of healing in yeah. that moment, being able to save MJ. Um, but there, as soon as in my theater during the first showing, um when tom's peter gets pulled away from he's reaching out for and he gets pulled away by the glider some bro 
I I don't know where in the theater he was behind me somewhere but he this guy knew exactly what was going to happen because he just screamed Andrew <laughs> <laughs> and, awesome. and then the kid the camera pit, it cut cut to Andrew. And oh, that's so cool! Was like, yeah! <laughs> and then everybody screamed because they were so excited. Oh, I wish I it could was have hilarious. Been you know what's oh, funny? So I, I feel like in my theater experiences, uh, especially, it felt like in the first one there was a ton of people dressed up as Spider Man in mine too. I yes, saw, I saw the Homecoming uh, OG costume that he made himself. I saw the Tobey Maguire costume. Uh, I saw the OG Tobey Maguire one too that he, he wears nice. in the wrestling ring. I just saw so many people and I was yeah. like, oh, this would be great. But it felt like, you know, that, that gun shy feeling, you know, maybe a lot of these people haven't been in theaters for a while. You've, you've forgotten how to scream. Yeah. You've forgotten how to clap and cheer. And, you know, it's, it's just funny. It felt that way. It felt very tepid in a, in not mm-hmm. a bad way. Because they st- there's still a lot of cheering. There was a lot of it, and it was great. But it just felt mm-hmm. like, you know, there were certain moments where you'd get a couple people who'd be like, woo, and you'd hear, you know, a couple claps, and then no one else would join in. But then the next one, a bunch of them did. So it was like almost like people were kind of testing the waters with where we're at, which to me is great because you've seen that progression. I I maybe had two cheers max with Black Widow. I had more in Shang-Chi, none in Eternals. Uh, I cheered in Eternals on the second viewing when at the very beginning, because I was just like, that's your Avengers shot. And you're getting that as the first scene of the movie of them all showing up and the music. And I was just like, that's like, that's like portals in a sense, but no one noticed Mm -hmm. that. And that's fine. It's it's fine. But like, this is the first time we've had something like this since Endgame, And I just feel like people were, you got to get a little more comfortable and and comfortable in the theater, which again, good thing it feels like with with already they've got uh what was it 50 million on the first night and endgame got 67 million Mm -hmm. the only other thing that had more than it was uh force awakens which got Mm -hmm. 57 million and you look back these are pandemic numbers and that is huge granted they did open up at 3 p.m which does give you maybe one more showing two more showings maybe uh because it's a long movie you're not getting as many but that's really impressive. And mm-hmm. I think these, this is one of those things where, and I hate saying it, that we're in a new landscape where certain movies are, they're, they're money getters and they're the ones that are going to draw people in. And I'm sorry that it's Disney movies and Mar- and specifically Marvel movies that people yeah. are wanting to go see these action movies. But when you look at it in this day and age, that's the escape that people want. They want yeah, to see these exactly. larger in life characters that are so much like them when you look at someone mm-hmm. like Peter Parker versus it just, you know, it, I always comes to my mind. I don't know why, but I always just think of Manchester by the sea. I don't know why, but that movie, it just, to me, that's like the epitome of the indie movie where it's like, it's just a movie about a guy and yeah, it, it's a great movie. It's phenomenal, but it's like, I could get why not a lot of people want to go see that in theaters or why people want, right. don't want to go see West Side Story in theaters. Same thing. I know I've said it before. I'm not a huge musical guy, but I was like, why did we need West Side Story? No one was asking for a remake. No one needed this. And, and, and yeah, here you go. It only made 10 million. Do you realize that now? You know, studios. Yeah. And, and again, it's a bummer because, uh, you know, we want to have a variety in our films, but you got to acknowledge that if these theaters are going to come back, these are the movies we need right now. It's we're back to square one where we need the big blockbusters so that these little movies can get, make it back in the theater again. But the landscape has changed. I mean, people, 
They've got the option to watch things at home. And I hope, and I know that it's going to be more than a hope as it goes on, that this is going to be one of those linchpin moments of these people going into this theater and hearing those cheers and remembering. I mean, every person we've talked with, every review I've heard has compared it to Endgame. Yes. And that was the ultimate theater experience for most people. And to have that compared to this, to me, it's, it sets off a signal to say, hey, you can still have these moments in theaters. Yeah, we're never going to get back to the way things were until a long time from now, but that doesn't mean the experience has changed any. And that's a really mm-hmm. good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to experience that kind of uh, cinematic perfection culmination of, you know, so many years of films. I mean, arguably experience- it's this longer than the MCU. Yes, this would have started yeah. with 2002 and as opposed yes. to 2008. To, to be able to witness something like that once in your lifetime is awesome. But they, now we've done it twice. I did not expect to ever have that kind of experience yep. again, unless it was like 20 years from right, now. Right, the, the next Avengers movie that happens yes, in exactly. six years. I can't, I'm just so impressed and shocked, honestly, that Sony mm. was part of it. Bless their hearts. That's what I'm saying. Um, you know, I'm telling you, Amy Pascal, no offense, Amy. Uh-huh. I know you've been listening and I'm, I'm, I hope you've taken all of our plays, <laughs> but I'm still curious. Did, when you tried to recruit Max Dillon to be in this movie, did he shock you? Because, you know, we've been seeing this hairstyle that you've gotten. Again, I'm not going to bash one over the <laughs> other, but it kind of looks like you're a little unhinged and and it makes sense because i could see why those decisions have been made with all the past spider-man movies but when you look at you know the things that she said in the past i again i'm I'm not going to speculate on amy pascal we don't do that in the podcast but there's something off about her and i don't know what it is yeah but uh, but even even on her red carpet interview it just it's not and i don't want to be mean but it's like she's seemed very ditzy and I was just like, yeah. but you run your own movie studio. Like you must, she must be the kind of person that people like being around because she's yeah. very, she seems very fun, but she also yeah. just doesn't understand. It just seems like she doesn't understand what's going on. She keeps randomly sharing spoilers and all this stuff. And I've legitimately was like, she got electrocuted. And I don't say, I, I say that obviously as a joke too, but I'm like, <laughs> she had to have gotten electrocuted to be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to randomly share that. You know, there's three more Toby, uh, Tom Holland movies coming in the future. And Kevin Feige's just like, doing the spider-man grabbing his head of like yeah. oh my lord like what is happening but to to have that it was it was bizarre it it's was very bizarre. bizarre and when you look at it that way though with what they did in this film it's like she must be doing something right and again i don't know what's going on behind the scenes because she clearly had her mind made up with like asm2 when all the sony emails leaked and and good on her for canceling a lot of those projects good on sony for being like yeah that you know we kind of messed up because we got to see laid bare that, you know, Kevin was trying to help them and yeah. they weren't listening and the box office, you know, and the reviews showed that. And so they've come around, which is great, but it just, it's, inter- it's interesting. I'm very interested. And we'll talk about this in a sec of, you know, what the future is for Spider-Man, mm-hmm. because with what I've seen from Amy, I'm still incredibly nervous, but I'm a lot less nervous than I was before, which is great. Yeah. And, and it's all a testament to this. So yeah, I'm, I too feel incredibly blessed, incredibly grateful that we mm-hmm. got to see this movie and got to see it in theaters as well. Yeah. Um, as we move along in this scene, there's a couple of other things I wanted to call out too. So we, we talked about it already. 
of uh, Miles, the call out from Electro talking about, you know, wishing that Miles was in this, this universe. I mean, he just, he just says a black Spider-Man. Uh, obviously, we know he's kind of talking about Miles, but, you know, it could be anyone. Uh, but that was cool. Uh, but from there, uh, we see, you know, the Green Goblin shows up and he fights the Green Goblin down at the bottom and him just beating the tar out of this guy was really satisfying. And I really liked seeing Toby and Andrew kind of watching from afar and looking at each other. But then yeah. Toby kind of knows what he needs to do. And we get that beautiful shot of the glider. You don't see Tom Hawk. Cause at this point it's like Tom, ha- Tom's not in his body. And that's, I think why they did that. Yeah. It's a focus on the glider. He's got a one track mind right now, which is a very scary call out to the first Spider-Man too, of how he gets impaled on his glider. But Toby shows yeah. up and catches the glider. And it was funny. I thought he was smiling. Uh, it's it's a, it's almost a smirk. He doesn't actually smile. I thought he did on the first viewing, second viewing. I was like, okay, he doesn't smile. But yeah, that was to me was his Uncle Ben scene. He yep. stands there, stops him, doesn't say a single word, but he yep. just gives him the what I call the aloof Peter Parker look from those Spider-Man movies, where he just looks like an absolute doofus, and he's just got this dumb look on his face that works. And it's just this so sincere, like, he, again, no words, but you know that he's saying like, you know, this is wrong. Like, you know, that you're, you're, you gotta, you gotta stop this. You're, you've took yeah. it too far. And again, it just felt so uncle Ben of him mm-hmm. just being there to have that moment with Peter felt very, yeah. I think, fulfilling too, for Toby to say that, you know, he was so racked with guilt that he didn't have that with uncle yes. Ben at the end that he can pass that along to this Peter. Cause you even, I mean, then he gets stabbed and I was like, no way. They're going to kill. Circle. Full well, yeah. circle. You're right. Yeah. In a sense is that's a great point. So that yep. the goblin got his due now and gets to stab Peter. And I love that he didn't die. It's like, yes. I've been stabbed before. And I, I was like, may said the same thing, Peter, you better not go. I swear to God. Uh, and, he did, <laughs> and he did, which was great, but I just, I love that. And just yeah. everything about that scene did you did it hit you the same way um i, I yes but i i knew oh god when when he had his back to goblin uh i knew that something was coming and so i was i just got so nervous uh and then it happened um i i thought he was gone i i thought we were gonna lose him yeah and that was really sad uh, it, it reminded me of the Thanos stabbing Tony moment um, oh, where mm-hmm. I, I, I thought we were losing Tony in that in that moment also. Um, but no, I yes, it was it was a perfect legacy moment, I feel like. Um, and it was perfect that it was Toby. Um, I, I love that it was the one who started it all and he was he was embodying, just the the spirit of the Peter Parker story, all of it. I mean, it was just such a yeah. perfect little almost microcosm. Um, oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. No, there's another was- microcosm moment too uh, that I forgot to mention when they're on the scaffolding and uh, Andrew says, "I love you guys," yeah. and and they, but they both look at him and say, "Thank you." yeah and i was just like i you know i was like i feel like i guess that's a very peter parker thing to do i thought they would have been like you know we love you too 
but I guess it's like, you know, they, they're not good with their emotions, I think. And so for him to just be so willing to say it, I think they were kind of taken aback. But mm-hmm. again, so per- so perfect that you can analyze such a simple scene yeah. to be like, what, what does that mean? Like there's, cause you know, there's something there and it was just, and then he, so he throws the serum and Peter catches it right away and stabs the goblin, which was great. And Andrew comes by and he's like, nice catch. And he was like, nice toss. And I just loved that. And, you know, Dr. Strange at that point is uh, trying to, oh, that was devastating. So he's got the box and Goblin put a, uh, a honestly, he was a devious yes. villain. Like yeah, he, he was. was the worst of them all in a sense. I mean, he, those Goblin bombs were, the pumpkin bombs were, were so good at causing destruction. And mm-hmm. so it blows up and cracks that spell wide open. So now we know, I guess, if we need to ever release Ultron and, and Killmonger, all we got to do is throw a pumpkin bomb at that tiny little thing in his uh, singularity. But uh, that explodes the spell, shoots it out, and cracks open the sky. Uh, and again, we see Which and gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, way better than the trailer. Though I will say, CGI wise, uh, you you notice it on the wide shot that zooms in on Doctor Strange, which was cool. But I was just like, I, I felt a like I could tell, right? It was kind yeah. of that I could tell it was CGI. Which again, at that point, I didn't care. Right. But they said. One of them says, look at all of those people. Who are all of those people? Something like that. And I was just like, they set so much up in just that sentence. And mm-hmm. then for, and I, I swear, I tried. There was one other person and I was like, is that Spider-Gwen? I don't know. They had, they maybe had a hood. It's too, it was too fast to tell. I tried looking. I couldn't see anyone else on my second viewing besides the one I saw on the first. Just that there was somebody standing next to Scorpion and that same person was standing next to Rhino on the other one, but I could not catch who it was. It was way too fast. And so I, that's going to be one of those, you know, on-demand Blu-ray type of pause yeah. moments to check out because clearly I, everyone who knows that he's Spider-Man was coming through right. and uh, in, in the absolute most Peter Parker way, he tells Strange, to cast a new spell. And he says, instead of having everyone forget that I'm Spider-Man, have everybody forget that I'm Peter Parker. And I just got so upset because that again is just textbook Peter Parker in the worst way and kind of in the best way too of like, he's just so selfless. And it, it angers me how selfless he is because he puts everybody else above him. And that is why he's got the famous Parker luck because he just, He's a selfless person. And so, you know, Strange says, even Strange is like, are you sure about this? Because he says, everybody that loves you, we won't remember you. I love the way that, I don't know if it was exactly that phrase, but he was basically saying that he loved Peter. Yes, yes. And I was just like, the way that he said it was, and then he says, you know, call me Stephen. (laughs) He says, that still sounds kind of weird. It's, yeah. Because he paused right after he said it. He, he, He took a very just brief pause but it emphasized that he said we meaning him i also love you peter what are you doing i know yeah and and so he says okay well go down and say your goodbyes and uh so he he gets down there says goodbye to the peters they give that great hug scene where you see tom's face on the one and then it's the other two on the other and uh, I mean, and I, we didn't say anything about, it, but like all their costumes were brilliant. I loved that. I love that we got all the same costumes. That was great. Mm-hmm. I love, honestly, I love that you couldn't really tell who was who because it was just like, they're all Spider-Man. It's so perfect. This is great. You can kind yeah. of tell, you know, Toby's got the, the bigger web pieces, right. but 
was just so great. And then he goes to Ned and, and MJ and we get the scene that you should have gotten in Spider-Man one of actually having a heartfelt conversation. And I teared up at this scene of him being yeah. so willing and saying, I will find you guys and I'm going to re-explain everything to you. And it'll be like, none of this ever happened. And Jacob or Ned is like, I know you will. Like, he's like, I promise. He's like, I, I know I trust you and gives him a hug. And then, you know, MJ's like, MJ says, I love you. And we get to hear Peter say, I love you back because again, Toby never said it back to MJ. And yep. uh, that was a very angering moment. But then she stops him and says, don't say it. Tell me it when you come find me. And I'm just, that first viewing, I was broken because I was like, we're not going to get to, I know we're not going to see that in the movie, but I was like, I can't wait to, to have that moment. Yes. And then we get the ending. <laughs> and it seems like we won't be seeing that moment. And it was just so Peter Parker. Oh, selfless absolutely selfless. selfless to see and I, and I commented on this that this is the first we see MJ and you see it as the movie pro progresses because she doesn't share much about it but you you can tell her home life is not good just like uh, Kirsten Dunst when she says it's uh it's Jones not Watson I don't go by that name so clearly that's her dad's name mm -hmm. and we just see this progression of her becoming happier as the movie goes on she has friends now she said before that she never had any friends in the other movies. And we just see her becoming a more positive person. And uh, I think she, I, that might've been in the, the red carpet to Zendaya when they were saying, you know, what, what, what can we expect from her? And she was saying, you know, she's kind of coming to terms with like actually being happy or something like that. And for Peter to, to acknowledge that in his head and say like, I can't ruin this. And she's still wearing the Dahlia necklace She's got the Band-Aid on her head and he says, you know, are you okay? What's that? And she says, it doesn't hurt much anymore is all she says. But he's just, I know he's thinking, you know, I'm going to prevent them from getting hurt in the future. Yep. Yep. And it's so selfless and I hate it, but this is how you do it right. This is the, this is the fixing of all of the other times that Toby's franchise specifically screwed this up. And it's just... <sighs> of him having that whole speech planned and like mm -hmm. practicing it as he's walking was just. And, and I think he was going to, he was going to until he sees the bandaid yep. on her fort and he's reminded of what he blames himself. Mm -hmm. He blames himself for, even though it was their choice to help him. Uh, and they both said at the beginning that they would not change a thing uh so god peter anyway he chooses the selfless option he he sees the band-aid he reminds that he's reminded that you know they were hurt because of him he thinks you know and he blames himself and so he chooses not to not to not to talk to her and not to not to tell her you know not to give her the speech and oh it just it hurt me i was crying i cried so so much throughout this whole thing but that when his eyes well up after she says is there anything else and he just says, and he he pauses and he says no and his eyes just well up Ugh! and but you can just see the little bone you know he is even just his bone structure movement in his cheeks and you can tell that he's kind of biting his tongue in a sense and not god it's so good
and he says he says see you around so you know there's some hope there i suppose but well and, well, and she should know i think he gets she gets triggered a little bit because he says the whole thing about the disappointment mm-hmm. and you'll never be disappointed and she has that look as he's leaving so there's seeds that are planted for sure but i think it's a really cool and we've got uh we've got two scenes left but i think it's a really cool call out for you know possibly the future so from there um we see him at may's grave which i was wondering where's ben uh, they're not sharing a gravestone. Very interesting. There's no grave. Maybe there was, maybe, you know, we, we see the, uh, the Ben Parker luggage or whatever, mm-hmm. but clearly that, you know, they're making a point that there's not that much of a point to Ben in this universe, which I liked again, it's a multiverse. We've got a, a very Ben heavy, two other Ben heavy Spider-Man. So I was totally fine with that, but I was a little interested. I was like, okay, so like, where's Ben? But He's there by the grave. He's saying, I'm sorry. Her headstone says, if you help someone, you help everyone. And I loved that. Uh, and happy no shows dates. us. No dates. Always sees the two zero, which I liked. I'd like that too, because, you know, in the world of comics, the minute you put a date on something, continuity goes out the window. <laughs> yeah. And we, we do not need that. But happy shows up. And I was just praying that, you know, there'd be something there, you know, of like, but there isn't. He has no idea who this her? is. How'd you know her? And that was just heartbreaking. And I was waiting for him to just say, <gasps> call him, man. And he says, through Spider-Man. And she, he says, yep, me too. And he says, I lost a friend uh, a while back. And yeah. after I lost him, uh, what does he say? He says, you know, it hurts so much, but then it hurt even more when I realized about the things that they stood for. Does that even matter anymore? And he said, and and again, a kid telling an adult, he says, yeah, they do because we carry that on in us. And it's just wreck me to the ground, Sarah. And it's just writing. It's so good. It's perfect. And it's just, and and again, you know, that's the famous Spider-Man thing, right? We get a funeral at the end of all the Spider-Man movies. And this is great. We did not get a funeral. We just get the, the reflection at the at the, uh, the the grave site. And so from there, we get the last scene, which is Spider-Man living on his own, uh, about to have to pay rent. Uh, and he's in an exciting new chapter. You could say, uh, for all of you comic fans out there, that he uh, this is a brand new day for Peter Parker now, <laughs> that uh, everything has been reset for him. We then see him that he has created a OG comics classic uh, suit with that royal blue, which was incredible. We see him jump out the mm-hmm. window, uh, skidding around in the snow. Great call out too to Doctor Strange coming down the stairs and skidding in the snow as well. Uh, also call out too, again, uh, Wong is now the Sorcerer Supreme uh, because yes. uh, Strange was gone for five years. Which, A technicality. <laughs> yeah, and that checks out. I love that. Well, if I was you know, still the Sorcerer Supreme, I don't know that. It's like, okay, cool. I love that. That was a great new dynamic for how to so shake things funny. up because we know that Strange is more powerful than Wong. But Wong is a very powerful sorcerer too. So um, we'll see. But yeah, so he's swinging around. And the last scene, just like every great Spider-Man movie, is him swinging into the camera. And yep. what a way to end it on a semi-high note, I guess you could say, at Christmas time. It's, it's uh, technically a Christmas movie if you want to look at it that way. Uh, and so then as it's going, the credits start rolling. And we get our first scene, which is uh, uh, Venom. Uh, our, our very own i'm not going to say r actually i'm not i do not claim to to own this man <laughs> i do not claim to have this man a part of my team uh and it seems like marvel studios feels the same way yep. because we get tom holland enjoying a drink 
Uh, if you were curious as to where he's enjoying the stream. Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah. What did I say? Tom Holland. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, no, Tom Hardy. A lot of Toms. Uh, Lots yes, of Toms. Tom Hardy, uh, if you're wondering where he is, look no further than his hat, which says Mexico, uh, as he's drinking. And he's, you know, recalling all these events. So, you know, there's a the classic. Uh, this is on par for me for the incident for the Netflix ones. So you're saying there's a, a, a guy in a tin suit. Like there's there's always yeah. the, just call it Iron Man. Oh, Hulk. Okay, cool. But we get the call out. He says, well, maybe uh, we should go to New York and visit all of this. And then all of a sudden the room shakes and he is also sent back to his universe when Doctor Strange completes that spell. Uh, but there's a tiny little bit of the Venom symbiote that is left behind. Uh, and so... Uh, we will let's start uh, and so that okay we'll just say that and then um, let's start with first before we get to the very exciting post credit scene uh, the end of the Spider-Man movie so here's a couple of things first off if I had any nitpick why didn't Spider-Man just stay with MJ and Ned after the spell was cast and the minute that the spells cast go hey guys I'm right here still as you can see I'm in my Spider-Man suit and I don't have a mask on my name's Peter Parker I'm also Spider-Man and we've been best friends for five years no he swings away that didn't make sense to me was there something to it obviously beyond it being a movie that it needed to happen that way yeah I, I yeah no I, I think it was probably I mean it's probably going to be setting up this just wild theorizing but you know ned ned leads doesn't know peter parker anymore um so you know is this part of setting up the next phase of his mcu arc i i, I don't know maybe he'll be um, in doctor strange in the beginning training yeah could be, could be cool. um i uh oh i forgot what i was gonna say um i'll think of it okay um but yeah the ending i oh 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 the coffee cup so the coffee cup and the sewing machine uh peter is sewing his new suit mm -hmm. with, with may's old sewing machine uh which i thought was <laughs> that's just oh wow very sweet and what and... was the coffee cup the coffee cup was the same cup from uh, MJ's shop. So, oh, so, so he's she, clearly frequenting it, a la mm -hmm. Andrew Garfield stalking. That's when, right. Yes. When, and you know, and I put a note here too, which is why I, there's a few things I obviously will, I'll forgive almost everything for this movie, but I said, uh, you know, I said, why didn't he just, you know, state everything I said, unless he always meant for them to forget. And I think, yeah, I think, I think part of did. him. Yep. And I think that's why he took off is because he felt like this would be a fresh start for everyone, which is really heartbreaking when you think about it that way and mm -hmm. watch it like that. Um, so I said, so, so what happens now with everyone forgetting? That's, I, I think that's the, the, the crux of the conversation for what happens next is, so the entire world, uh, arguably the entire multiverse has forgotten who Peter Parker is. So the Avengers no longer know who he is. No one from the movies does. Like Fury, none of them do. All they would know is that they fought with Spider-Man during, you know, the Battle of New York or the Battle for the Battle at Avengers Compound, whatever you want to call it. Uh, which is a really great way for having him disappear from the MCU uh, yeah. in terms of them saying he's going to go off and do his own thing. You'd never have to wonder why are they not including Peter in this because they have no idea who Peter is. But 
what do you think about that? What do you think of, you know, any, any thoughts on what, what could come from that? I just, I love Tom Holland. Um, I, I hope they're not dismissing him from the MCU. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not sure how the spell works in terms of, so, I mean, I guess it would work in every universe, right? So it, yeah, it, it affects the, point. the multiverse. Yeah. Well, so, gosh, I don't know. A lot of this felt like Spider-Man Spider no more to me, but which would open the door for some of the, clone stuff some of the ben riley stuff um and ned some of the ned stuff so um i don't know i'm just not ready to say goodbye to tom holland yeah me neither and it sounds again it sounds like we're not because amy yeah Pascal has thanks confirmed. amy yeah thanks amy <laughs> i will say again if you haven't read them yet uh those spider-man issues that i called out in our spider-man saga for our, our episode this month uh, are all three spot on so if you're nice. again if you've seen you're listening to this and you've seen the movie already then go read them to enjoy them but if you were saying okay you know what could i do to prep for this movie sure should, should be reading them because uh you know one more day was all about them all forgetting that he was spider-man or actually technically it was about them say about him saving may and you know he makes a deal with mephisto to save may but the cost of that is his marriage with mj but we then find out, you know, at the end of that, that's what kicks off the brand new day saga. And every, no one knows he's Spider-Man. And so the question was always, why does no one know he's Spider-Man except for Mary Jane? Because she does know. And then that's where the third one comes into, One Moment in Time, which is that Peter goes to Doctor Strange and asks him to cast a spell to make everyone forget that he's Spider-Man. And it's, it's really powerful in the story because Doctor Strange astral projects to speak with Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man and says, we're doing the same, like we need to do, we're going to do, like, I think we should do this. He's obviously been through so much. He even says in it, if I'm remembering right, and we'll have, I'll be hashing this out on the episode, but um, he says, Peter Parker is the best of us. Like you, he was like, Tony, you said that, that Peter Parker is the best of us. And he says, we need to have someone remember though, because he said he was like they, they were talking about it being similar to when they wiped everyone's memory from the century if you remember that mm. they did the same thing everyone except for i believe it was tony stark he still knew about the century they were like we need to have one person still remember for that continuity piece of like you know you know the person out there but the, and i don't remember what they chose so there's you know your your tease for the next episode coming up but uh it was identical and so as he's casting the spell it was a lot more professional in this one he says can I please have Mary Jane still remember? And it was heartbreaking in this because she doesn't want to remember. And she actually gets very upset with him. And it's a very cathartic issue because it essentially replays the story in one more day where they're talking. And I, again, I won't go too deep into it, but it's spot on for this movie. So I was just mm -hmm. so impressed that they were able to pull all these elements in from these comic stories and still craft and create something that's so out there uh and so crazy uh but that's kind of what i thought too so i i was thinking okay now he kind of has a fresh start if they wanted mm -hmm. they could focus on brand new characters he could go with with gwen though honestly at this point i think he doesn't want to go with anybody which would be yeah. fine but then you could have him possibly find harry osborne or something but norman did say that there's no oscorp 
So I don't think there's a Norman mm-hmm. Osborn in this universe uh, mm-hmm. or he's doing something else. So we'll see. I think there's, there's a lot of excitement around that though. And I think it's a very easy out for the MCU, even though, you know, they said he's going to be in a team up movie coming up. So we'll mm-hmm. see, but moving on to that, po- that the mid credit scene. So what, what does this lead? Where does that leave us? So uh, again, hats off to Marvel to say, thank you. We would love to do our own Venom storyline uh, emphasis on our own. Get out of here, Tom. Thank you so much, but goodbye. I, I thought that was so great. It made me so happy because uh, as much of a Tom Hardy fan as I am, I'm not a fan of those Venom movies and uh, I'm not a fan of Tom Hardy as Venom either. I just, he is not Venom. I mean, he's not Eddie Brock. The Venom part yeah. is fine. I'm not too picky on that, even though even that bugs me because we don't get to see, they do technically a better comics accurate Venom in Spider-Man 3 because I caught that when I was watching that movie that he shoots True. the webs out of his wrist, out of the top of his wrist, just like Venom mm-hmm. does, not from the bottom. And in this one, he doesn't even web swing. So it's like, yeah, I'm fine, bye. Glad they're making, making money, enjoy your money somewhere else sort of thing. So I think that's exciting. That's my guess. I would say that would be the, the future of the next Spider-Man movie would be mm-hmm. him dealing with his own Venom saga, which again, that's just another opportunity for Marvel to do a better job than Sony mm-hmm. did the last time. And I'm sure Sony's going to be game because just like when Marvel touches other things, like they'll do it in a way that honors Spider-Man three and it's going to make us like Spider-Man three more. Yeah. Uh, like I would hope that, you know, Tom Holland has maybe a little bit of a jazz phase. Maybe he, uh, <laughs> we get to hear him say, I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. Uh, I, I would love all of that. And mm-hmm. uh yeah. So I, I, did you get anything else from that, from that scene? <laughs> nope. Um, but <laughs> I do. So who, do you have any thoughts on where that symbiote is going to go? Is it going to yeah, be I would say football is life? No, I, well, I don't know because there's, uh, it, I had to do the Ted Lasso call out yeah, for, for the I Danny not, thing. I have not seen Dead Lasso, <gasps> so I've got to get on it. I know, I know, it's on, it's on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> I, I think to me, it doesn't matter. I think that the the seed was planted when Eddie says yeah. we should go to New York, and so I think one way or another, the symbiote's going to go to New York. Mm-hmm. So whether that's riding in the body of someone else, just like in Carnage, or just crawling its way there. Uh, hopefully it doesn't do yeah bicycle i was gonna say you know shoot if this is a sony movie it might as well hop on the next jet engine and fly to New York <laughs> yes. because clearly sound doesn't bother it unless it's attached to an actual body so uh yeah but that's that would be my bet is that just somehow you know gets to new york and there it is but again i am a huge venom huge carnage fan and so to see an actually good version of it that is mm-hmm. you know whatever i'll take that i would love that yep Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited for the, the possibility of a good Venom appearance. Yeah. And, and, and a good Eddie Brock. And yes. I, I, I was thinking about this of like, you know, don't point a gun at me and ask me who you think is going to be the next Eddie Brock, because I'd need to sit down and think about it. But you look in yeah. the comics and it's like, he's not like a super buff guy, but mm-hmm. he's, he's a little bit, he's, he's, he's built, but he also has blonde hair. And he's kind of a jerk and he's more of like a Flash Thompson in a sense. And yeah. Tom Hardy did not embody that at all. Tom mm-hmm. Hardy, but he, he, again, he's good for what his movies are. I just don't care for them. But then even Topher Grace, he was the exact opposite of anything yeah. that you would have wanted because he's too scrawny. 
So yeah. I just hope that they would find a really good Eddie Brock and have it be, you know, a comics accurate sort of, I mean, we hear it here first. Maybe that's what it is. He's for all of his friends have forgotten. That's his new friend is Eddie Brock while he's in college. Eddie and him are buddies and yeah. he gets the suit and, you know, it ends up going to Eddie through some form of fallout. And that's how it becomes like, to me, that would be awesome for them to have actually been good friends or be friends about it. Because yeah. that to me, there's your character development of it being extra heartbreaking when they battle each other. So mm-hmm. uh, that would be my receipt is that maybe they're going to be friends in the future. And uh, yeah, or they work at the bugle and that's where Ned comes back in. And yeah, exactly. What would it be meets, like a new, <laughs> a new like yeah. hiring group? of uh of new, yeah. new bugle the bugle boys and uh, all three of them are the new bugle the bugle boys um but yeah so no that that'll be super exciting if that's pulled off so uh with that like i said super satisfied guys thank you so much for listening just kidding we have okay, a whole like, after credits thing to talk about so about america chavez <laughs> so uh sarah i don't know about you but when i was in the theaters and uh you know, I was heartbroken and seeing Captain America come out of the ice into a world where he didn't understand what was going on and he didn't get that dance and the movie just ends and the credits roll and we get to the end of it and we get an entire Avengers trailer. I was just, I was blown away by that. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then we never saw that sort of thing again until last night. Yep. And we get another trailer at the end of a sp- uh, end of a Marvel movie for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and I'll call this out because uh, you know I don't know who if anyone said this yet, but we, we get at the end of it. It says Doctor Strange will return. Mm-hmm. We never get a Spider Man will return no. in it, and I don't know Ugh. what to think about that. I don't I'm, either. I don't even want to think about that. But we get a we get a Doctor Strange trailer. Let's see if we can break this down. We get just the same as Avengers, a bunch of quick, quick succession shots. We see that the multiverse is broken. We already called that, that this movie was going to be leading directly into the multiverse of madness. And it is, this thing looks like absolute madness. I mean, Octavius even says it in his cell that this, you know, what is this madness? Yeah, what is this madness? And uh, so we okay. see that Dr. Strange is kind of uh, dealing a little bit with the fallout we get multiple what if call outs. He walks out of his building and the entire city is starting to go up into, into blackness in the sky. We see the Doctor Strange from what if, again, not confirmed, but it looks almost identical. I mean, that that yeah. beard that he's got or the goatee just absolutely gives it away. Dark and uh, so we get that. We get a quick shot of a star on the back of a certain jacket. And we yes. get America Chavez. We see her yes. in the door when she's there. I just can't wait to see how they translate her punching through realities. And have you- oh, read I'm the, so excited. Have you read the newest America series, the miniseries? Yes, I, yes. Did you like that whole bit about uh, the fact that she's actually, and this is, it's not spoiled. You can find this on Marvel Unlimited. This may or may oh, yeah. not have it's nothing to do with while. the movies, but uh, it's revealed in that, that she's actually not from another universe, that she was experimented on with a bunch of other people and those powers are real. Everything about her is real. It's just that she actually had, and she did have two moms. They weren't from another universe, though, from some utopia. They're just regular scientists. And I really yeah. liked the way that they went with that. I was just like, that's so wild that you can give such a fresh take with a character who's already so fresh. 
And I'm, I'm yeah. wondering, you know, what are they going to do in the MCU? Is it going to be her being from, uh, I don't remember the name of where she's from. It's like the, uh, it's like a two word thing. It's like basically like the perfect utopia or something like yeah, that. The, I, the, yeah, some, the, it's from the utopian parallel. I think is what it is. It's something utopia. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so we get America. We won't dive too deep into her, but Sarah, I, I could just tell from her reactions, and I, I was the same way. She's one of my favorite new characters. I mean, I'm just I'm a sucker for strong female characters in comics. And uh, if you know, you guys have known this from all the comic talk we've been doing, but and I know you are too, Sarah. So that was I'm sure that was really exciting for you oh yeah I I mean when I saw the star I I yelled I was like America and the the people next to me were all like oh, are, you, are you okay I was like you know I'm, I'm just trust American. me I'm fine <laughs> I'm just hyperventilating uh we uh, see that we see yep. uh Christine Palmer in a wedding dress what yes. does that mean we see Christine Palmer with America and Strange coming through that door what does that mean? We see Elizabeth Olsen as yeah. Wanda. She, we, she got a big cheer. At oh my show. yeah. Oh yeah. As did when she, he said, I'm not here to talk about Westview was yeah. like, Oh, this is so good. And I'll tell you guys, if you guys want to laugh, uh, you know, here at comics and cinema, we love speculating, but we know there's a limit. We know there's, you know, you should appreciate things for what they are. There are places out there that don't do that. And, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. One of them being, I believe it's Emergency Awesome. Uh, I, I don't remember. It's a YouTube channel. Typically, if you are wanting to see a reaction or, you know, a breakdown of a Marvel movie or of a, of a TV episode, they will have their clip up almost immediately the night of. Uh, very fast. And they're very thorough. They'll, hit, they'll catch things that I don't see. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. They had a video uh, from a couple days ago of the leaked Doctor Strange stuff. And so I watched that last night because I was like, I would love to see what it was. And he's, he's basically saying in the video, he's like, none of this is confirmed. I am basically sharing with you what I saw from the leak. I would encourage all of you to watch it because he got so many things wrong on it that it was hilarious. <laughs> and he's talking about, oh, you know, Wanda's actually going to be the villain in this movie and that she feels like Strange is trying to attack him because of Westview. And I was like, ah, no, yeah. <laughs> that's not what happens at all. Talking about, uh, you know, uh, different creatures that weren't in the trailer at all. Uh, all of this stuff that I was just smiling that I was like, you know what? I'm glad that's what the leak was that, you know, and if it's right, it's right. It's cool. I would recommend watching it now so that you forget about it by the time that Doctor Strange come up. But I was just, so, I was giggling because I was just like, why, why do you need to make a video about a leak? Like that just, I yeah. get that you need the views, but it was just so funny to me that even a day after the night of the movie coming out, you're proven wrong. Why would you want to have that on your conscience sort of thing? But <laughs> so we see in here that he needs Wanda's help. Uh, we get to see a badass Wanda scene of her doing some spell casting. He says, you know, what did you, what do you that know about the him. multiverse? that costume yeah. oh man and um uh, what else did we get to see in here we see you know a couple good shots of wong we mm -hmm. see oh oh mordo and mordo the man with the absolute fantastic dreadlocks i thought yes. his new hairstyle was fantastic yes, those braids oh, oh yeah he can get it that was great uh, i'm yes. trying to think if there was any was there anything else that stood out to you in the trailer uh yeah, I mean, e evil Doctor Strange. I mm -hmm. um, that no, yeah. I mean, I 
I think there were some visually there was one I can't remember what it was but visually there was something that reminded me of Loki um it 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 looked like the it was in the cosmos do you know what I'm talking about I do it was, know like, was it with the, the purple door? lighting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah what it was, was all that? purple I think that was just something just a, again like I have multiverse. no idea but yeah some sort okay. of multiverse thing as I'm thinking too we get another what if call out because Mordo says the basically you know the uh <laughs> the bad guy is you and yes. uh, which again you, is implied that it's dr strange but i didn't realize it on the first year i'm like oh no he's talking about the other dr strange mm-hmm. which is the same thing the ancient one says and what if and and it's funny because you go oh man like they're pulling straight from what if and it's like no no no, no. you don't understand this whole multiverse thing this makes sense that the same words would be said in multiple universes, right? Like that whole thing of certain little things are different and other things are mm-hmm. exactly the same. And I love that they're doing that, that there's some similar call outs, some similar quotes, yet there's other things that look like they may be a little bit different. That was so cool. I will say too, uh, I don't know if anyone noticed, I mean, of course you have noticed, but the, the creature that was in uh, this as well. Uh, yes. Some said that that was uh, Shumagarath. It is not. Uh, again, we have no confirmation from MCU continuity as to what it is, but there is a Lego uh, set that's already out with uh, Gargantos is what it is. And apparently that's a character in the comics. I'm not familiar with it, but the Lego set is that exact same creature with Doctor Strange, America Chavez, and Mordo, I believe, or Wong as the characters in the little Lego set. And it says Gargantos attacks or whatever. So that's Gargantos, not Shumagarath. Though, wouldn't be surprised if Shumagarath or some other wild creatures show up in this, especially with, mm-hmm. that was one of the other things he said in that video. He's like, so this trailer is going to have a ton of crazy creatures, just like in What If? And I was like, all we got was the one, but thanks for playing. Uh, but if that, I, I, I would believe it for the movie, though. I, I think we would probably get, because you're going to have to have the bad Doctor yeah. Strange. I'm not going to call him the bad Doctor Strange. You got the... Uh, I'd call him the cool Doctor Strange, uh, explaining how he got all of his power. I'm sure they'd have flashbacks of him sucking up all of those souls. Um, That was the only other thing, really, that I think that I noticed. Uh, But it just, again, the electricity of getting to see a teaser trailer in a movie that I thought we were going to get. I'd called it, but I had called it as being a trailer before the movie. And this makes way more sense. I love that it was at the end of the movie. Yeah, I did too. I and speaking of saying the same things um did you did you catch Spider-Man's line when he he webs up Doctor Strange over the Grand Canyon and he takes the box and he goes back through the portal and he says he takes the ring from Doctor Strange and then he says I'm sorry and then he says but I have to try which is the exact same thing that Dane says at the end of Eternals. Oh, which I thought was that's right. Wow. Okay. There's it's, a lot it of might cool just be coincidence. like that. It, it might but, be, but I think that's still really cool because it just shows you how many heroes are in that selfless nature of like I got to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that brought up something too that I was I was thinking of, but I, I lost the the train of thought. Maybe I need Doctor Strange to put me back on that train. That whole <laughs> and that whole mirror dimension thing was just that was crazy. That was and when it when it collides together, oh mm-hmm. man, it's so good. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So, you know, I'd asked this question earlier and I kind of gave a little bit of my thoughts. What to you, what does no way home mean? Um, I think, you know, at this juncture in, in Peter's life, I don't think there's anything at the end of this movie, he has nothing that's familiar to him. Um, there's nothing left, you know, that feels like home to him. Um, and he's, he has to make his own home now. And, uh, Oh, that's so sad as it's coming out of my mouth. It just makes me so sad. Yeah. Oh, and you know, what was really sweet too, that I really liked seeing when he takes the photo album out of the box or he takes the picture out of the box and he's got that GED study guide. Yes. Yeah. That made me really happy and also really sad at the same time. Cause I was just like, to me, and I don't know if you caught that or thought that too was, I was like, so he dropped out. Yeah. And is just going to get his GED instead, which is just, he could have, he could have stayed. Like, I'm sure he had the grades and all of that, but I think he just didn't want to be around any of that anymore. And he couldn't, and that happens to a lot of people, but I just thought that that was a, a really, and I don't know if that was intentional on their part, but I thought it was a really cool message because there's a lot of stigma around education in, in society and, you know, you having Mm -hmm. to get X, Y, or Z. And, you know, it's like, there's no shame in that, that if you can't finish school and just go get your GED instead, like at least, at least it's the same thing. I've got to try, I've at least try something, right? Like I've got to try. And it's just was really cool to see that they highlighted that along with all the other science stuff. Like there was a a lot of, of pro-education conversations in this movie. Yes. That was just really cool to see. I mean, it's, and it, it goes back to the whole high school learning, all that sort of stuff. And the fact that they're at the Midtown Science School compared to mm-hmm. like just regular Midtown High and the other and the other series is just I don't know. I thought that was a really cool kind of that is really surprise. cool. I like that. That's a good call out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Sarah, any any final thoughts about Spider-Man No Way Home as we wrap up? Oh man, I I just I cannot. I don't have enough words yet <laughs> to. To describe how much I love this movie, I I think it's it's already great. I think it's just going to keep getting better every time we watch it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to stay in my top three MCU movies for a long, long time. It's just the payoff, the culmination of, like you said, twenty years of superhero cinema. I mean. It was just really perfect. And the whole creative team and director and producers pulled off something f- truly phenomenal, truly amazing, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah, well said. <laughs> uh, I, I'll say this too, though. Uh, hopefully that you have uh, have some more words come to you as time goes on because uh, both of us are going to be on uh, Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. Uh, on this Sunday, yes. uh, our good friend Brian, uh, Brian and myself are going to be hosting uh, as we have a bunch of guests join in to talk about what our favorite moments were from the movie, favorite sections of the movie, breaking down all kinds of things. So uh, if, if you're still here with us, and I hope you are, because this has been an absolute blast to talk about, uh, please join us Sunday night uh, at, I believe, 7 p.m. Eastern. 
Uh, we're going to be talking all things No Way Home. Again, that's Earth's Mightiest Weirdos, uh, part of This Diz Life on YouTube. It's going to be a YouTube live stream. So if any of you are wondering <laughs> what we look like, uh, look no further than that, uh, that episode, which very excited to talk about. Again, we're going to have a blast. I think uh, Brian's going to be doing some giveaways. And I believe we're going to be talking about our, Mar our Mount Rushmore of Spider-Man moments from this movie, which uh, we both held off on sharing in this episode to tease that for Sunday. So tune in with us. We'll be excited to see you guys there uh, and have you tune in. Uh, but for comics and cinema, Sarah, again, thank you so much for joining us on this, uh, this episode. It was an absolute blast to talk this movie out. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. the 200th episode i know i'm still kind of blown away that uh that we're here at this moment again i i just didn't anticipate kind of like with this movie right and that's why i've been planning this since uh you know probably two months ago i done the math and i was like you know what i think i get the 200th episode to be spider-man no way home and it kind of like that's the perfect movie to talk about on the 200th episode of just mm -hmm. 20 years the two zero all around that's <laughs> any which way you want to look at those numbers is just exciting so again for all of you out there who have been with us from the very beginning halfway through or even just on this episode thank you so much for listening for tuning in and for comics and cinema i'm your host alex klein thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the multiverse